Indeed. Why, hello, it is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of May in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to you. It is Friday. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Show, an excursion into whimsicalities of all varieties, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, 503-228-4101 if you would like to be part of our show today. 503-228-4101. Coming up uh, later on, we got your final pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic, which is the live in-person extravaganza from Joel Hodgson, who is the uh, creator of the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, they will be in town May 29th and 30th at the Newmark Theater. A favorite movie each night, a horrifically bad film from the animals, uh, animals, from the animals, annals of cinematic history. And so there's a different film each night. We have uh, tickets for that we're going to be giving away today, as well as, I believe, the final pair of tickets to Zombie Prom, but I could be making that up. I am making it up. Entirely fabricated is what it was just now. Wasn't any truth or veracity to that in any way. I enjoy tall tales. Please tell more. <laughs> on my paper, it says that we have some. You enjoy my prize-based shenanigans? I do. Wait, hold on. Do I have a second? I believe there are two pages. Ah, there's a second prize sheet. I see now where I went so terribly astray. Uh, so we've got a pair of passes to ZombieCon PDX, which is a uh, pair of tickets to Zombie Prom, as well as the Zompower Film Festival. Finally, the Dana Carvey Show. On DVD, the Dana Carvey Show, dating from the uh, early 1990s. We'll be giving that away as well. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will be joining us from Capitol Hill today. We will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, because I guess General Motors is going to be laying off, I don't know, 500,000 people or something today. Uh, and we've got CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles, who will talk to us about uh, the final Jay Leno show, which is coming up tonight's show with Jay Leno. His final guest is going to be, I think it's going to be James Taylor and... Conan O'Brien. That was one of my teases. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it, Tim. I remain an empty vessel in terms of Jay Leno news. I doesn't matter what I do in here. Somebody <laughs> always ruins it. Yes. It's 503-228-4101. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Three hours of work just went down the drain in two teases. <laughs> what is it all for, I ask you? <laughs> Uh, it's uh, Tim at KUFO.com if you'd like to email him with more ruminations on how his work is all for naught and a useless waste of the few remaining hours we're all given on this planet. Uh, or Nibbler at KUFO.com. It is 503-228-4101. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how can I ruin your day before we even begin? Well, if it's any consolation, I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Thanks, Rick. And we have a long sick. day ahead of us. So we Tim's news has become day. completely superfluous, and you're infected with something. And uh, get the first thing I did this morning, uh, I got up and uh, I, I rammed my... Did you ever do that thing when you're walking through the living room? And I almost... I hesitate to even say this because it's such a universally understood pain. Where you're walking through the living room in your bare feet, and it's not that you ram your foot into something it's never the whole foot it's always just your small toe that oh, you catch yeah. on the corner have of the coffee table leg toes? no i've never broken a bone oh i've broken one of my toes before it sucks i was when i was in a um you sound fantastic class. by the way there's you know what do you hear me? I'm, I'm not complaining i'm playing through the pain no no no. i'm not doing that you no, no, sarah show, sarah dylan shows up to uh to give 100 percent. i'm just saying i can hear a little congestion going on in your head. i know oh well i so i took a, kick, a kickboxing class and i kicked this bag once and broke my um toe next to my big toe mm-hmm. It was so painful. I had to walk around with it taped to my big toe. So I'm walking through the, uh, and that screws up your balance too. Because oh, yeah. if you have Did you your, get your pinky toe? 
Yeah, so yeah, I was walking through the living room this morning, and th- th- so we have this coffee table, and you know the legs come down. It's it come to do a little bit of a point. And as I was walking through, and I'm getting half asleep, and I think I was trying to take the dog outside or something, and I don't have my uh, I don't have my shoes or socks on. And the one advantage of walking around in socks is that it puts your 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 feet into one sort of contiguous mass. But without that, you do what I did this morning, which is just to take your small your you know your pinky toe, your tiniest toe, and you just catch it on the edge of something, and then it kind of goes and it bends it over to the side at some ninety degree angle, which is unbelievably painful because it's the small injury in a way that always hurts more than the larger injury. And then I get into the car this morning, and I do that thing. I don't even know how I how I managed to make this happen, but the front of my shin went into the bottom of the dashboard, that edge of the dashboard, which is kind of down by where the steering wheel goes into the steering column. And I kind of went, bam, and the front of my shin right in there. And the front of the shin where nature has conveniently put no padding at all. Uh, and that's a pain you can still feel like two or three hours later. Oh, so, yeah. Anyway. I, I hit my shin once really hard and have a divot, and it's still... So maybe you'll get a divot. So Sarah's head is full of jello. Tim's news is completely uh, completely irrelevant already, like, out of the gate today. And I've managed to injure the lower part of my body, I would say, six or seven dozen times. Tim Riley is at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Let's pay him a visit. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, I think I can find at least a couple things that somebody may not know about, but probably not many more. Uh, first of all, it is bad news in Oregon. I'm sorry to have to tell you. Uh, Nike is cutting 70, uh, close to 1,750 jobs nationwide. That's about 5% of its global workforce. 500 of those jobs will be lost at Nike's headquarters in Beaverton. The departmenting employees will receive a robust and enhanced severance and the downsizing. Many employees will be notified in the next few weeks. Well, that's a nice way to start the weekend by them telling you it's going to be a few weeks before we tell you. Uh, they announced in February it is realigning its business and would cut jobs. Like many companies, Nike has seen the bank for its products slow as a global economic meltdown hurt consumer spending. Nike has a global workforce of 35,000 employees. That's going to be a fun way to spend the next three or four weeks, just sort of going and clocking in every day and yeah. wondering if there's going to be a guy standing over your desk with a gun and a box. Now, Chrysler is going to close down six Oregon dealerships. At least three in the are in the Portland metro area. Timberline Dodge. Uh, Northeast Sandy, A&D Auto Sales in the Cube, and Gresham Chrysler have all been notified. They've been chosen by GM to be closed. The news comes as a surprise to Timberline Dodge, which claims to have been selling a Chrysler's and other cars in Portland for 80 years. So this is the... Uh, now, is this tied into the thing that CNN is talking about today, where they're going to be... Because it's dealerships, and then uh, I think it's another round. I could be wrong. Right. Chrysler, Chrysler and GM are, are two separate things. Right. So there's the, so there's Chrysler, and then there's GM, which is doing the huge... Uh, another round of, of layoffs, I guess, even after closing down Pontiac. So I think that's above and beyond like the discontinuation of the Pontiac line. So that's at uh, closing the early 800 dealerships would not hurt the car maker's bottom line, says the bankruptcy court, whatever that means. Now, GM plans to cut 1,100 dealerships. That's a lot more. That's 1,100. So that may be what you heard. Uh, GM dealers across the nation are awaiting word from the company on whether or not they, too, will be fired. Dealers expect to hear either by telephone or FedEx letters That'll begin arriving this morning. Hey, FedEx letters. So I mean, so you just, is that like the, where the when the, the, the guy brings the mail in the morning? Yes. You kind of sit there and you sift through it, and mm-hmm. you're, you're somewhere between your uh, publisher's clearinghouse uh, thing and your new copy of uh, Adbusters. There's a big letter saying, "Congratulations, you're fired. Please yes. leave." The company says it has too many dealerships and too few sales. Well, that makes sense. 
So these cuts come a day after Chrysler uh, said that it's closing down all those dealerships. So lots of bad Friday news for a lot of people today, so it's not going to be a happy day for some. Meanwhile, how's the Octomom doing, you ask? Well, the Kaiser Permanente Hospital, where workers peeped at the Octomom's medical records, must pay a quarter of a million dollar fine. L.A. Times reports California health officials are enforcing a new state law passed to protect celebrities from nosy medical staffs. The Bellflower Hospital also fired 15 people for snooping. Uh, the Octomom's been in the media, although uh, she's been kind of kicked out by Miss California lately. The, uh, There's always a California chick that's you know, sucking up all the news. <laughs> the baton has been handed yes. to him. The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Uh, well, let's do and, this. And they go in two-week periods. <laughs> the Octomom really overstayed her welcome. All I know, dude, all I know is that I opened up my email about three days ago, and somebody had sent me, uh, do you remember that horrible photograph that came out where it was the Octomom, and she was laden down with child... Oh, and she was all full of babies? Yeah, yeah. when she had, like, the, the babies. She, she had the babies. She had the weird... Um, she had that weird like thing going on where it was n- not just a pregnancy stomach, but it was multiple pregnancy stomachs. It was sort of like multiple stomachs on a cow sort of out in front of her. And somebody sent me a, a different photograph from that same shot, and it was like, and there's just not enough eye bleach in the world for that. I mean, there are no goggles strong enough. Uh, well, let's do this. Uh, we will get caught up around the corner. Straight ahead, we have CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who's going to be joining us from New York City. He will talk more about all of the automotive unpleasantness happening in your world this morning. Later on today, more news from Tim Riley at the news desk and a pair of tickets to see ZombieCon 2009, ladies and gentlemen. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Indeed, it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Friday morning. It's Rock 101 KUFO. You can reach us at 503-228-4101 because sometime this morning we'll be giving away our final pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic, the in-person live bad film extravaganzas featuring uh, Joel Hodgson and the original cast and crew from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Also, our final tickets to ZombieCon PDX featuring the Zombie Prom and the Zompire Film Festival, last but not least, the Dana Carvey Show on DVD. Still to come, Lisa Desjardins from Capitol Hill, Aaron Duran of GeekInTheCity.com, uh, who'll be reviewing uh, Angels and Demons. Yes, the new Dan Brown thing? I think so. Here's the thing. I'm, I know that it's part of the popular culture, and so I should care about it and be well-versed, but I just don't care. It, there's no way I could possibly care less about the new Tom Hanks film. It is impossible to calculate how little interest I have in that, especially because watching The Da Vinci Code... God help me, I try not to be above anything, but boy, I, it was like I could just feel my occipital lobe just turning into a, the mass of spongified jelly watching that film, which is really saying something because it's not like I had high expectations based on the book, because The Da Vinci Code was that book that you would go everywhere, and no matter where you went, in any corner of the globe, there was always 15 people around you. It was like the week after um, Harry uh, Potter and the Deathly Hallows came out. Where you, I mean, it was impossible to leave your home without passing six or seven people who were reading it on the way. And it was the same thing with The Da Vinci Code. And I thought, by God, there must be something to this book. It must be a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then if you could just feel your brain becoming smoother with every passing moment that you that you tried to ply your way through it. And then I saw the book, which or, you know, saw the movie, which was underwhelming in, its, in, in, in all new ways. So anyway, so Angels and Demons opens today. Aaron Duran will be talking about that, as well as the uh, top five zombie films, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk. This is your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. 
A group of Portlanders wanting to recall Mayor Adams kicked off their campaign last night at Nick's famous Coney Island. The group is called Community to Recall Sam Adams. They are creative people, mm. Tim. They claim he lied about his relationship with Bo Breedlove in order to get elected. The recall effort will face some tough challenges, such as collecting enough signatures to get the issue on the ballot. Uh, and, well, it's now underway. Really, there's nothing that says we have a serious effort to enact political change like gathering at a minuscule hot dog stand. Well done. Uh, Portland mother of eight whose arm was broken while being put in a control hold has won $18,000 in court. 47-year-old Tamila Travol was uh, suing the Portland Police Bureau, the Multnomah Sheriff, County Sheriff's Office, and the Cherry Park Condominium Association after the then-association president allegedly had her minivan towed from its assigned parking space. She argued with the tow truck driver and the officers while they were trying to load her van. Police officers forced her to the ground by putting her in a hold, snapping a bone in her arm. <laughs> She says she was targeted by the association because she's a Ukrainian who speaks almost no English. Then we have the 22-year-old owner of a Gresham towing company found guilty yesterday of stealing a man's truck and then lying about it with forged paperwork. We talked about this story a few months back. This isn't the guy that had his car uh, crushed into a, a tiny cube by the towing company. No, this is a different one. Right. Uh, Anna Elizabeth Alonzo uh, started set towing with her then-boyfriend Ryan Patrick Joint in 2007. Both have been in the news lately for allegedly stealing cars under the guise of operating a towing and repossessing uh, business. Officials received dozens of complaints about the company. She's scheduled to be sentenced next month and faces probation to 26 months in prison. Well, I think we've talked about this before, but there is no... I can't really think of any any vehicle that you encounter. I mean, with the possible exception maybe of a police car itself, that inspires more extreme emotion than a tow truck because there's really only two modes that, that you will ever be in when you when the, the tow truck arrives one is you are ecstatically happy and jubilant because uh, you know your car's broken down by the side of the road and you're waiting uh, you know you know for Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty and yourself to be kidnapped by rednecks and so when the tow truck finally comes out of the gloom out of the void out of the darkness to tow your car back to safety i mean you you know i mean it's just like the best moment of your life or you know like if you're in an accident you're stuck in a you know snowbank you run out of gas or something or like when you walk into the Kinkos because you got to make some copies for five minutes and you're downtown and there's those red-headed parking meters and so you park there because you don't think that there's any reason like that you couldn't park there because nobody's currently using the space or you realize that the task is... Do you ever do this where you you put in uh, like 28 minutes in the meter because you know because that's all the change you have in your pocket and you are watching uh, you know the, the, the minute hand on your timepiece sort of sweep through the hour as you're doing the task and as you get to within two or three minutes of the parking meter time elapsing you are then wondering inside your own head what kind of a grace period you could possibly have because you try to calculate whether or not they're going to be towing your car if you're like 30 seconds late or two minutes late or five minutes late and then you walk out and you see the guy hitching up your car onto the tow truck and getting ready to tow it away which has happened to me by the way um, I have not necessarily for a parking meter violation, but I remember when I was maybe, I don't know, God, I must've been, I must've been 18 or 19 and I'd somehow gotten horrifically behind in my car payments and I walked out of the radio station and I think I've been doing the overnight shift or something. And I was odd. Ah, that was a fulfilling night of playing records for the people. I can't wait to go home and sleep. And I came out just in time to see the car sort of vanishing around the corners. It was being towed away by the guy. So the tow truck is there's, there's like no emotional middle ground there. That is uh that is one polar extreme or another. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. Her final battle, Farrah Fawcett, 
A former business partner of the one-time Charlie's Angels beauty accused her loved ones of stealing his documentary about the uh, iconic battle with cancer. This is on television tonight. Farrah, meanwhile, is resting at home, and none of her pals plan to tell her about this lawsuit. They're shocked. And now, Ryan O'Neill wants to marry Farrah at the last minute. Yes, after 30 years together, Ryan O'Neill says he's considering marrying his long-term love. <laughs> oh, my God. I would do that, he says. I'm taking it under advisement. She's still a bit hesitant. I'm working through it, though. I'm really working on it. Also, she's paper-thin and unattractive, so I've got that to consider. So that's on uh, television tonight. That Ryan O'Neill, what a... <laughs> what a find. What a, what a catch. <laughs> she's not going to do much better than that. <laughs> what a stand-up guy. I don't know. I mean, uh, I got all this stuff to do, but... Uh... I mean, I might marry her. I'm, uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, if you ask me. Well, it turned out somebody was trying to get into Lindsay Lowen's home. An alarm company notified police that somebody tripped the alarm at Lindsay Lowen's Hollywood Hills home. At first glance, they found evidence of a potential break-in, but she's a sloppy housekeeper, and that, they thought that was it. Really, how would you know if anybody went through Lindsay Lowen's anything and caused a ruckus? She's covered in vomit half the time. How are you going to tell if anything's well, gone wrong? Police have a released surveillance video of two unidentified people lurking outside the actress's home that day. The video shows a person crouching outside the vehicle that was parked down the street. The intruders tried to break in through a back door and a rear window. The break-in attempt was unsuccessful, and they did trip the alarm. Seriously. So they didn't take anything, but the house was a mess, but it always is. It's because God knows there's no reason why suspicious people would be hanging around Lindsay Lowen for any other purpose as she's snorting 15 pounds of cocaine mixed with strawberry quick. I, allegedly. Well, if you have any information about this burglary, please call the Hollywood Burglary Detectives at 213-972-2930. Yeah, I'll get right on that. Well, I guess we have to do this. Jay Leno's final guest list. It has been announced. Guess who's going to be on? Legendary singer James Taylor is scheduled to take the stage for a performance. Uh, Leno announced earlier this week that Lyle Lovett. Is that Lyle Lovett? <laughs> That's random. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Wanda Sykes, and Billy Crystal. Is he still around? Oh, good God almighty. I mean, this is... Why Billy Crystal, I ask? I'm still back on why Lyle Lovett. I mean, not that I have anything against Lyle Lovett, but I mean, really, it's like opening up some... His other guest apparently will be a wormhole that is transporting us all back to 1993. Lyle Lovett and James Taylor and Billy Crystal alone sort of personify why that change had to be made, I think, and why NBC probably... That was a little bit of a walk before we make your run kind of a thing. And I would imagine that Conan O'Brien being his absolute final guest is something that the network is making him do in exchange for the fact that everybody else is, you know, 100 years old. That is sort of the same problem that Carson was having toward the end, is that there was just that audience was, the audience was just older than dirt and not getting any younger, and there was just no way around that. And that was not the, uh, that was not the demographic that NBC was coveting. But maybe get Bette Midler to sit on the piano and belt out a couple of tunes. I mean, but but it really is just one step removed from that. I mean, really, you know, I mean, the, the Billy Crystal is, first of all, I mean, it's just it, it's like it's like the blind interviewing uh, the mute at that point because what has it's Billy one Crystal done nothing lately. He, nothing. He has disappointed and bored an entire generation of comedy seekers. That's what he's see. Also, Jay Leno, which is why it's the perfect confluence of interviewer and guest. There's nothing room. Somebody now, please, to tell me. I mean, uh, are people going to cry because Jay Leno is leaving? <laughs> I, will the nation come to a standstill? I don't know. How will we face uh, the, the next nation day? Wa- the, 
Oh, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I, could, I bet Tom Shales is typing out some sort of a, a melancholy column right now about it. Some sort of a series of poignant anecdotes about how Jay Leno got us all through a troubled time in American history. I would like for somebody now to please uh, come up with one of the memorable jokes that Billy Crystal has uh, contributed to the comedic conversation in this country. I sell air. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about right there. That's it. All right, uh, let's do this. Straight ahead, we have uh, and more Jay news. Leno, what were you thinking? That was it. No, that's, I mean, to there's... Hugh Grant. There's, I mean, there's... Jay Leno had, he had the Hugh Grant thing, and he had the Dancing Edos, and that's it. I mean, that is, the the Dancing Edos, the, the really, and that almost doesn't count, because that was sort of a thing, that was like an honorary SNL joke, because there really was no actual comedy there. It was just a thing that he started doing every well, single he night. Well, it on their trash. Well, it's, but it was the SNL, uh, that method of taking something that was moderately amusing, and then you just do it repeatedly, wasting valuable airtime every single week. An um, older Ryan Seacrest. Hope, hoping that it becomes amusing, uh, like, eventually, just through sheer repetition. Like, there's some sort of a, a, the comedic, uh, like, some sort of comedic force-feeding that it becomes a thing that you find amusing. All right, Lisa Desjardins will join us uh, in just a while from Capitol Hill. We'll also have CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Next hour, he will talk more about Jay Leno and a uh, pair of passes to see Cinematic Titanic, starring Joel Hodgson of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame. The Rick Emerson Show, it's Friday morning on Rock 101 KUFO. Stay there. Don't miss a moment of The Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland, right here in Rock 101. KUFO, it is Friday morning. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up this hour, a final pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic, featuring Joel Hodgson from the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. Also, tickets to ZombieCon PDX, ladies and gentlemen, featuring the Zombie Prom and the Zompire Film Festival and the Dana Carvey Show on DVD. Later on today, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop from Los Angeles. We'll have the top five zombie movies of all time. And Aaron Duran will review Angels and Demons, the new Dan Brown film. Hey, by the way, uh, so working backwards, speaking from uh, from Jim Roop back to a conversation about five minutes ago. So Jim Roop is in Los Angeles. He's going to talk about uh, Jay Leno, whose last guests are going to include Conan O'Brien and Billy Crystal. This email says... Because we were asking why Billy Crystal is the final guest. This uh, says, Rick, when uh, when Jay Leno first went on the air, Billy Crystal was his first guest. When Crystal oh. first walked on stage, uh, he gestured in mock terror at the fact that there was no Ed McMahon sitting next to him. It was the only acknowledgement of Carson's run on that first uh, show, which I do remember, actually, because that was when, uh, what's her name, Helen Kushnick, as depicted in the, the movie The Late Show, based on the book of the same name. Helen Kushnick was this uh, sort of uh, tyrannical czar who uh, ran Leno's career for a long time, up to and including, I think, the first season that he was on the air doing The Tonight Show. And I guess that she had made this decision that there was going to be no acknowledgement ever that Carson had even existed. There was going to be no thanking of him. There was going to be no passing of the microphone, no, you know, whatever. Um so I guess that is notable because Crystal was the only one who ever really made a mention of the fact that Carson had existed. Doesn't change the fact that he's not funny. Speaking of other people who aren't funny, so I was sitting on the couch yesterday and I was sort of typing away in my uh, my stylish new uh, MacBook while my wife is watching Oprah. And I don't know when Oprah started doing this thing of like she has it's like it's like Oprah's comedy day or Oprah's comedy club or something where it's like once a month 
the regular set is sort of abandoned and they they turn the Oprah soundstage into what looks like sort of a it kind of looks like a comedy store sort of a thing where it's a little bit dimly lit and everybody like chuckle hut or something yeah, exactly and so yeah so so rather than just sitting on the bleachers which they typically do I think it's every few weeks, it might be every six weeks or something, they have the audience sitting out at the sort of like round cocktail tables in the audience, and then they lower the lights, and there's this red draping everywhere, and then it's just it's just nothing but comedians. And so, of course, who is the first? Let me ask you this. Who is currently the worst, most overrated comedian on planet Earth? Dane Cook. That's, ex- that's exactly right. That's ex- And this was the point I was trying to make. I'm so glad you answered that correctly. Because I was trying to make that point to Lara yesterday. Oh, he's, he's terrible. I'm just terrible. I didn't, I'm just answering email, just trying to live my life and be free of Dane Cook. I can't it, believe that he still is like making the rounds on talk show circuits. And on Oprah, of all things. And you That's think, weird. I, and here's the thing is Oprah is so plugged into the popular culture. I mean, her kind of Twitter thing notwithstanding. Oprah's a woman who has a pretty good read on what Americans are into and what they like to watch and know about. And she's, you know, kind of like Madonna in that sense. It's sort of it, it, the zenith of Madonna's, uh, in, you know, her ability to sort of intuit what the what the American uh, public wants. And you would think that somebody would have pulled Oprah aside at some point and said, Dane Cook, not not funny, douchebag, liked by no one. But, of course, she says, my next guest is one of the country's hottest comedians, and he's an amazingly funny man and a real talent. Will you please welcome? And it's like, as soon as she said, one of the country's hottest comedians and a real talent, it, like I just began, like I sort of cringed, and I could feel myself mentally girding for the fact that he, and sure enough, she says, will you please welcome Dane Cook? And he walks oh. out on stage. And I just started yelling about him, and, and Lara, who is, is sort of, you know, because she has a real job and doesn't really have time to sit around and, and just uh, sift through TMZ all day like some of us, she started wondering what was wrong with Dane Cook, and it was like that, it was like when Lisa Wood asked me why she wanted to own a TiVo. She said, why should I possibly own a TiVo? And just the idea, of, the notion that I would have to explain the whole thing to her was so fatiguing that I didn't even want to have the conversation. And that was my deal with Dane Cook, is I couldn't even really bring myself to start explaining the many dozens of reasons why he's an awful human being. But... There he was, sitting right there on, you know, next to Oprah on the couch. Have so, you seen uh, that movie? He's in My Best Friend's Girl. No, nor have I seen. It is awful. I, I haven't seen. Behold my shock! I haven't seen uh, My Best Friend's Girl, nor have I seen. What is it? Is it Employee, Employee of, the of the Month, or is? Or I is didn't that mind a, that movie. Or is that Larry the Cable Guy? What is the no, Larry Employee the Cable of- Guy film? I don't know. And there's some Larry the Cable Guy movie where he played. He was like a restaurant employee or something. Oh, that's wait. No, that that's Ryan Reynolds. I was thinking of waiting. No, I'm because, not sure because I was trying to compare. She asked me what was wrong with Dane Cook. She said, "Well, why, why, you know, what's your problem with him?" And and, and it's just such an overwhelming question uh, to answer that I just uh, there was really no way to address it. I mean, it was just this sort of it was a monolithic query. And I said, "Well, he's kind of like Larry the Cable Guy. You know, he's just one of those people that is that seems to be popular." And it seems to sell out everywhere and has, you know, these movie deals and TV, but you don't know anybody who likes him. Mm -hmm. See, also Carrot Top. And so once I finally got to the Carrot Top analogy, that's where it all kind of clicked for her, that she understood exactly what I was talking about. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's pay a visit to Tim Riley at the News Desk. In the News with Tim Riley. Thank goodness they finally caught the people setting fires to dumpsters in St. John's. Under arrest. Well... I should say alleged. Uh, 48-year-old Kevin Clayton Ochiltree and 26-year-old Christopher Matthew Nace have been accused of setting fires in several business dumpsters in St. John's. Ruining the picturesque beauty of an otherwise flawless town, Tim. Business dumper mm-hmm. sounds like an oxymoron. It really mm-hmm. does. Uh, which in turn caused damages to nearby commercial buildings and property. Caused tens of dollars in damages to some of the more fashionable upscale outlets. 
But let me tell you uh-huh. that while property all over this fine area is losing value, the <laughs> I'm serious. Is there one neighborhood that's the exception to that, Tim? Yes, there is. Is In there a, j- a place where one could get out on the ground floor of real estate if one was so inclined? Yes, there is. Where would that be, Tim? That would be St. John's. That's fantastic. Someone should contact a local realtor uh, of their choosing and uh, perhaps pursue that. Yes. All right. Here's something that'll interest you. Dateline Salt Lake City, the Zion Curtain comes down in Utah restaurants. Utah bartenders may serve alcoholic beverages to patrons directly over bar counters instead of having to walk around them. Under a new law that took effect Tuesday, petitions known as Zion Curtains, usually made of glass... That separate bartenders from customers began coming down early Tuesday. Yeah, bartender in Salt Lake City, um, uh, well, I guess up until this happened, bartenders are not allowed to hand you a drink in, in Salt Lake. So if you go up to the bar... It's like a Dave Zinn type petition? Yeah, no, if you go up to a bar in Salt Lake City and you say, hey, give me a martini, they can't just hand it to you. Uh, they actually have to leave and walk out from around the bar and walk out onto the floor of the restaurant and hand it to you. They can't hand it to you over the bar. Why, why not? Because they got to because because it's all like and they got to make everything that's fun as difficult as possible. It's just like um, when did when did this originally go into effect? Oh, I don't God, I don't know. I mean, it was there. I mean, I lived there 15 years ago and it was the case there. Just like you have to finish your drink before they'll give you a second one. You can't order a second beer while you're still drinking the first one. Hmm. So if you're so again, if you have you know if you're sitting there with your sidecar and you got you know, a quarter of an inch left. You say, hey, can I get another one of these? They'll say, you know, you got to finish that one. And so the great thing about all the Salt Lake liquor rules is that it actually inf- it, it forces you to drink more because, uh, you know, because if you're short on time, but you want to get a second drink and, the, you know, the bartender can't bring you another one until you finish that one, it just forces you to shotgun whatever it is that's remaining on the table in front of you. Not unlike um, the, uh, like if you're in a restaurant uh, in Salt Lake, because I think the case is that, like if you're in a restaurant here and you order a bottle of wine, they will cork the remaining wine, and you can take it with you if it's in the trunk of your car when you're done, right? Isn't that the case? So, I mean, it can't be in, yep. the, can't be in the cabin of the car with you because that's an open container. But if you go to, like, an Italian restaurant and you order, like, a bottle of red wine, you have half of it. They'll cork it, you put it in the trunk, you take it home. Salt Lake City, you can't do that. Uh, you, if you order a bottle of wine and you have half a glass, you can't take it home, and so the wine must stay. So you basically forfeit everything in the bottle that you haven't finished. And, of course, what does everybody do? Does everybody say, well, that's fine, I'll just give the rest of this to the man? No, what everybody does, I'll just drink the rest of this before I drive home. It'll make the excursion so much more interesting. And so everything they do there is designed to strip away the tiny little bits of enjoyment that your life might otherwise have. So restaurants and tourism officials had complained about these curtains for years, and the new law affects about 320 restaurants. Under terms of the law, existing restaurants may remove the curtains, but newly built restaurants will be first to, uh, they'll have to prepare drinks in a back room. Yeah. Out of the view of the customers. Yeah. Uh, several small activist groups, as well as pote- potential, uh, gubernatorial candidates like Senator John Valentine of Orem said the back rooms are necessary so children aren't enticed to drink alcohol. <laughs> It's a place that makes no sense, Tim. There's just no... I mean, look, let's be honest. Not like Oregon's uh, Liquor Control Commission is any great shakes when it comes to living in, you know, like even the 20th century, much less the 21st century. Because I think that we got that same thing here where you can't... I know that in Salt Lake you cannot advertise alcohol uh, in a way that is visible to outside patrons. In other other words, uh, like a bar can't have beer signs hanging in the window if if they're visible from the street. Like you couldn't have a thing hanging in the window that says like Bud Light. 
Uh, so what, what, so what you'll do is you'll walk by a bar in Salt Lake City and it'll say like, oh, duels, which is a non-alcoholic beverage made by, you know, a brewing company. Uh, and Oregon has many, many, many dozens of liquor laws that are similar to that. So, uh, we're really in no position to point fingers. And yet I do. Here's Tim Riley. But they make up for it by allowing people to dance nude all over town instead of like a, a truck stop area. That's right, Tim. You're up to your bosoms and bosoms in our fine city. Well, Chrysler is preparing to send $1,000 vouchers to everyone who owns a Dodge or a Chrysler vehicle. This will be good till the end of next month toward the purchase of any new Chrysler vehicle. They always do this. They don't give you time to do anything. The Detroit News said the company needs to clear the lots of 789 dealers. And it wants to uh, close these lots as part of the restructuring effort. So I don't understand how this dealership thing works. So the uh, They're so, franchises, but, basically. Okay, but see, that's my thing. So if the company is... If it's a franchise, how is it that then the company, the Chrysler, the corporation, can tell the dealership to close? I mean, I, I mean, I understand that the company owns the Chrysler name and the brand and the whatever. So I mean, it, it, I mean, they can. It is, it is certainly their right. But what does it cost the corporation for the franchise to be in business? I can't imagine that. You know, in other words, isn't the, isn't the bulk of the operating cost on the the guy who owns the dealership, or the guy who owns I, the I, lot? I would think so. Yes. I mean, you know, it doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, it's, I mean, you're paying basically for the inventory. But again, the inventory isn't going to the inventory is already in existence. It's not like it costs any more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only going to have X number of cars and you're basically paying for the brand. And, and what do they do the with the logo. new cars that they're stuck with? I don't know. Because they're going out of business. It doesn't. It, it makes very little sense to me. I mean, it's sort of like. I mean, it's like if you're going to be operating, you know, like a fast food franchise, like a McDonald's or something. I mean, there is a McDonald's corporation uh, that is responsible for all of uh, mm-hmm. the branding and the imaging and, you know, it, you know, that makes sort of top down uh, infrastructural decisions. But the local franchisee is the one who pays for most of the cost of operation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what a franchise is. That's why, you know, as opposed to just being a flat out chain where it's owned by one guy uh, sitting back in Philadelphia somewhere. So it's, the whole thing is very perplexing. So anyway, just to confuse you, I won't read any more of that. All right, let's do. Thank you, Tim. I, appre- I appreciate your uh, pandering to my mental feebleness. Let's do uh, one more. Here well, let's hear about Rob Lowe, who has settled the second of two lawsuits filed against him by former nannies. L.A. Superior Court records show both Lowe and his former employee Laura Boyce have requested to dismiss the entire case, and is unknown if a financial settlement is involved. Lowe currently stars in ABC's Brothers and Sisters, sued Boyce in April of last year, accusing her of defaming and violating a confidentiality agreement, which she did. Yeah. Which she did. So she should get the book thrown at her and never be hired again. So uh, Rob Lowe won. <laughs> I'm serious. Maid's the maid. Just be the maid and leave it. You don't like it. Or we'll get Victoria Principal to come shoot you in the face. There are two people. Rob Lowe, the maid. Who has more power? Not the maid. <laughs> you think uh, you're going to turn the tables on Rob Lowe? I don't think so. Tim, you're the best person who's ever lived. It is the Rick Everson Show. It's Rob Lowe. No, I have my bad side. <laughs> I hope to see that bad side someday, Tim. Right now, all I see is a glorious, uh, glorious genius. Stay there. It's the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO. Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Rock 101, KUFO Friday morning. It's 503-228-4101. I'm sorry. If it sounds like I'm a little distracted at the moment, it's because... We came back from commercial here just as I was 
putting on this sweater because the temperature in the studio has plummeted to, I would say, one. I feel a breeze right now. There's cold air blasting on my face from somewhere. It's not just that they're not, the room isn't being heated. I believe the room is actively being chilled. At I think the it's being air conditioned. Yes, right it now. is. So. And we're in that weird uh, sort of, I know now I'm just uh, the guy talking about the weather, but we're in that, uh, which I understand is relatable to many people in the Portland area because there is, there is weather here as I understand it. So wait in Portland, I understand that that is what I was told is that there are people experiencing uh, climatic conditions of all varieties. So in in any event, so we're in that weird middle ground where I'm not quite sure whether to sort of get the air conditioner all clean and set up at the house or not, because every time I try to do it, it's like, you know, making it rain by washing your car. So as I get ready to, you're putting on gloves. It's cold in here. There's no way to explain how weird the temperature variances in the studio are, because just, uh, just now I was walking out of the car to get, to get the sweater and I come back inside. I can actually hear the air conditioning vents kicking on to make it even colder. So at some point, if you hear uh, like a lot of hyperventilating and they're just uh, three dull thuds, that will, in fact, just be all of us passing out here in the studio because we are no longer uh, able to stave off, uh, you know, hypothermia. I know we'll be grateful for it, you know, in a couple months. Right no, now, no, see, but because, no, because in a couple months, it's not going to work. See, in a couple months, all the sun will be streaming through this window and it'll be 145 degrees in here. Ugh. So, I'm Hey, just, I have a question about air is, conditioners. Uh, this building was built before science was discovered, yes? Does an air conditioner have to be in your window to work? No. How do you? Well, how do you mean? I mean, is it? I don't a, know. Like, say for example, um, let's just say hypothetically, someone legally distinct from me has an air conditioner, um, but they don't like really want their landlord to know. Can I just put it in? Like, why some, would you want not? Why would this person, uh, Tara, uh, not want her landlord to know? Perhaps. Um, are you not allowed to have? Is she not allowed? Are you not allowed to have an air conditioner? You know what? It doesn't say that I can't, but I don't want to be told that I can't. Well, you. Th- there would be no reason. Do you pay your own utilities? No, they're included. Oh well. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but you the, know what? The arched eyebrow on Tim now. That's a whole lot. But the- also, she just upped my rent a hundred and fifty dollars. So screw that lady. Well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the, I'm sorry. In the midst of a recession, I'm, I'm paying way too much money. I just don't, I don't have the time to move. So I'm sure that's going to gonna cut a lot of ice with her too. I know it's a recession, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be. I don't be, have time to move. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be raising uh, your you, uh, your utility bill even higher. Seriously, the, it was it was raised out so high that like everybody in my building has to move out. Well, let's ask Tim. Uh, Tim, right. as a slum l- l- uh, landlord. The uh, are, first of all, I do not include utilities for that reason. But, oh, you totally shouldn't. <laughs> but theoretically speaking, is that you don't have to have your landlord's permission to have an air conditioner, no. do you? I mean, that's just an appliance. It's just a thing. You, it's like you wouldn't have to have his her permission to, to use an electric razor. No, we live in the land of freedom. That's what I'm okay, saying. Exactly. Didn't want to use Tim, it I, I mean, our grandparents fought with patents so we could do these the, things. The battle well, of during the, the summer, it's just going to be so hot in the middle of the night, and I really yes. going to need to. Do oh this no! It, but see, here's the thing: is it's not even it's going to be hot in the middle of the night. It's going to be hot at like nine thirty at night when when you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. Here's the thing about doing uh, mornings is there's as you get into summertime you got to have two things you got to have really thick blackout curtains or one of those lovey howl sleepy masks from Gilligan's Island me too just to shut out all of the light and the other things you got to have air conditioning or something to cool you off because it's going to be like 8 8 30 and the sunlight is going to be pouring through the window and it's going to look like you're on the surface uh you know of of the moon it, because it's going to be so brightly lit, and you're going to hear the sound of children playing and running down to, you know, go. People cooking steaks. Go, go, children going catfishing down at the creek. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're going to be like, I got to get to sleep. And so if you have uh, any sensitivity to heat, which I do, I mean, once it gets over like 80 degrees, I mean, I'm just, I just become a miserable bastard, and I just can't. This is, I, and it's impossible for me to fall asleep. 
if I'm hot in any way. So uh, the, the, the instant it starts to look like it's going to become warm outside, that's when I get the air conditioner uh, rolling. But you don't, when you say you have an air conditioner, but your landlord doesn't know about it, it's not like one of the box kinds that sits in the window, is it? It is. Well, you can't just. You can't. Just I don't do, think you can put it on a coffee table. No, can't you just can't prop it up somewhere. No, because that would. Work. I mean, you're talking about like the square kind that's got like the panels on the front and it's got the metal grating on the back. Yeah. No, that's not that going to work. Like that's just that sounds like an accident waiting to happen. Like the cat will jump on top and it'll fall on you while you're sleeping. And it, it sounds like something that would be accompanied by the words clackamas and liquor and police and shooting. Well, does it have to have an airflow behind it in order to work properly? Like. I don't understand. Let me ask you this. You're you're going exactly where I was going to go. How do you believe an air conditioner works, Sarah? (laughs) I don't know. If I were to to sort of get a... I've never had one. My friend just gave me one. So this is the first time I've ever had an air conditioner. Why did your friend give you an air conditioner? Because I wrote on the Facebook, I'm like, hey, it's going to be hot. If anyone has an air conditioner, they want me to borrow. Please tell me you just pled openly for someone to give you an air conditioner. No, I, I asked if I could babysit someone's air conditioner. So they said, yeah. So my friend just moved in with his lady friend and... They have, like, central air. So They've consolidated. Exactly. So that he doesn't need the air conditioner anymore. He's like, hey, we just got central air. I don't need this. You can have it. So all, all his old friends in the air conditioner have to go. <laughs> the, uh, I'm sorry, honey. You're not going to be allowed to visit that air conditioner anymore and get rid of your bowling ball. So the so this is, an, this is a window unit? Yeah, it's a window unit. Yeah. So I was okay. wondering if I could, like, no, put it on see, a chair and then put a fan behind <laughs> it to, <laughs> to make it seem like the outside. Well, it would seem like a simple solution, are you gonna, wouldn't it? Are you going to do that while drinking uh, whiskey out of a jug that has three X's on the front of it, too? I'm just saying, why does the air conditioner have to be in the window? It's like it's like, it's like a page out of Snuffy Smith or something. Um, well, here's how the air conditioner... It'd condition- be like asking, why does a light bulb have to be in the socket? Yeah. I, no, see, here's here's why you don't want to do that. That would be like um, going to fall under toe. Uh, well, well, and also it just doesn't. The, the way the air conditioner works, as I understand it, is that now. See, but now I'm getting into this, and I realize that I don't even really know completely how it works. But the air conditioner, uh, as opposed to a fan, which simply here's what most people don't want: the fan, a fan. In other words, just like your ceiling fan, or like an oscillating fan, or whatever. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. It simply. Uh, rotates the air and fans actually raise the temperature of a room, which people don't don't really know, uh, because the engine of a fan puts off its own heat. And so, uh, if it's like seventy five degrees in the room, it blows hot air into your face. Yeah, and it, and the room will actually become slightly warmer because of the waves of heat that come off the motor that is driving, uh, you know, the fans, uh, you know, circulating action. So the, the air conditioner, those two things, an air conditioner actually because of the freon does in fact chill the air and it blows cooler air into the room. But as an adjunct to that, I do believe that the air conditioner expels hot air outside, which is why you have to have, which is why it sits in a window. Okay, that makes sense. Because otherwise, it's like the tailpipe. Yeah, that's it, of the air conditioner. That's exactly Got what it, it is. It's like it, it, that's it's like the, it's like the exhaust pipe in your car. That was the analogy I was going to use. I was going to say it was like being in your garage with the door shut and your Chrysler running. Right. Um, but it is very much like that's why your air conditioner is to sit in the window or like if you've got a like Laura and I have a uh, a portable air conditioner, which we can put in whatever room just because we knew we were going to move. And so th- there's sort of this venting tube that you put, you know, that you sort of has a window fitting and it trails at the back. Anyway, so if you have an air conditioner just sitting on like a card table in your living room, here's what's going to be great about that is that 
Half of the air conditioner will be blowing cold air into the room. The other half of the air conditioner will, in fact, be blowing hot air into the room at exactly the same rate. Well, maybe I can position it so where it's blowing the cold air on me while I'm sleeping because my bathroom is across from my bed, so I can make my bathroom nice and warm for the morning. I will say this, that if your goal is to screw your landlord, that might be the way to do it because the air conditioner, you set it at a temperature, like you say, 72 degrees. Make it so. And your air conditioner judges whatever the air temperature in the room is, and then it blows out the amount of hot air or you know cold air accordingly. So if it's also if it's simultaneously heating and cooling the room, the air conditioner will probably have some sort of schizophrenic breakdown. And I mean, I would imagine you could use eighty thousand dollars worth of electricity in one afternoon. So, I mean, you know, proceed uh, as as ye wish. It is five zero three two two eight. For 101, it is the Rick Emerson Show, giving housing and life advice to people far and wide. Oh, this is a fantastic song. This is the new Green Day. It's 21st Century Breakdown. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. So I'm just picturing you in your house wow. with your feet sort of cooling off in a bucket of water while your air conditioner sits on a uh, like a ping pong table in the middle of the living room while you're watching uh, you well, know, I thought that I could the get Nashville Network. Extra $150 a month worth, worth by like oh. having a secret air conditioner in my Oh, apartment. no, you'll get your extra $150 <laughs> a month worth. I mean, I, I, you're... I didn't realize there was hot air that blew out of the back of it. Where did you think? Well, I guess it's a fair assessment. If the I thought air it was conditioner... just cool air coming in, or like air coming in from the outside. No, no, so I was no, going to that... put my fan behind it to blow into the back of it. No, that actually, I mean, I, I guess I could see where that might be a fair assumption, that maybe it is simply blowing out cool air, but not... But see, now that I think about it, I don't even know how that works. It almost seems magical. How is it the air conditioner gathers hot air and blows it out the back? I mean, how does that even... Because that almost implies that there's some sort of a magnetizing action where the hot air is drawn into the air conditioner. You know, I wish we knew somebody who lived in a hot place that could help us out with this air conditioner quandary. Let's uh, welcome now the show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, James Roop. Good morning, sir. And a good morning to you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Let me ask you this. Uh, hey, do you know how an air conditioner works? I mean, not what it does, but how it actually works. Um, it's okay if you don't, because uh, we're idiots, and we have been talking about it for 20 minutes. We can't figure it out. If I'm not mistaken, you don't have to put Freon in it, but if I'm not mistaken, there's a condenser in there that when the electricity flows through it, um, cools it. And then with the thermostats involved, it cools it, and then the fan in there blows that cool air out. Are you talking about a window air conditioner? Well, see, that's yeah, that's my thing. See, there's two parts to the air conditioning quandary. See, here's a little the backstory: is that uh, you know it's you know it's not, it doesn't get hot like Death Valley hot here, but it gets fairly warm and it gets humid in Portland. That's the other thing. It's not so much the heat as it is the, the humidity. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I need to do the morning shift, you know, you got to go to bed fairly early. And so, you know, if it's hot outside, it gets difficult to sleep, whatever. So Sarah has this friend who has moved in with the girlfriend and they have central air. So he doesn't need his window air, con- you know, his window unit anymore, the, the window mounted air conditioner. So he gives it to Sarah and Sarah asks, I don't mean for this to sound condescending, the most charming question. She says, so can I just stick that on a table in my living room and, uh, have, no. have it do the coolifying of that, uh, air and I said, no, because it blows, you know, it blows cool air at the front, but it also was blowing hot air at the back. Hot air out and condensation drips out from the back. Oh, that's the other thing, Sarah, is it's going to, uh, y- y- yeah, it'll flood your house. So you don't want to do that either. But so my question is, 
I understand how it's blowing cold air out the front. How is it that the hot air is blowing out the back? How, does the air conditioner gather hot air somehow? Uh, no, it converts air into cool air. And so, I mean, it, it's not really that it blows it out. It's just sort of like it's an exhaust out the back. Um from what I understand, I mean, so I, very I, I'm not an air conditioner expert, but I'm a gadget guy, so I have taken things apart before that all of a sudden don't work. <laughs> and I, re, I, I remember, see, I, I, I can see the condenser, and I can see the coils, and I can see how the electricity would cool it, much like a refrigerator coil. Right, right. You know, the refrigerator coils are hot, but the inside of the refrigerator is cold. See, that's the thing where I'm saying right, right, as though I know what the hell I'm talking about. Yes, you're exactly right, Jim. That's by God, you're a genius, and uh, you probably are. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't explain why because I don't really understand how any. Operates. Well, but it, it all has to do with the electricity. <laughs> that's, that's, it has it has to do with uh, it has to do with protons uh, circulating uh, around, around inside the nucleus, a, uh, which a thing, something or and makes them yeah. all very active. And then it's all just ended. <laughs> really, we're we're just a poor man's uh, Bill Wattenberg <laughs> right now. That's really all we are. Uh, let's talk about our good friend Jay Leno. Who uh, here's the thing about Jay Leno. It is. It is no secret that uh, that I, I don't find him all that uh, funny, and I, and I haven't found him funny since he got the Tonight Show gig. That was basically when that was the dividing line. It's uh, you know Jay Leno and comedy and the Tonight Show all come together the way that like uh, you know that like uh, I don't know. There seems like there's some uh, some analog there to like uh, your girlfriend suddenly deciding she no longer to be needs to be hot. You know once once she like shacks up with you, and so once Jay Leno got the gig, it's like he felt his comedy could just start walking around in a house dressing cold cream all day, <laughs> and so. But that that notwithstanding, it's a big part of popular culture. I mean, it's a huge. We were talking about the book, The Late Shift, which was then turned to the the fantastic movie, the same name. My friend Danny Roebuck. Yeah, exactly. The guy, yeah, the guy who played Jay Leno, and it was a it was a huge deal. Uh, it, just the transition of power from Carson to Leno, leapfrogging Letterman, and you know, and everything that sort of came to pass, and so. He is going to be uh, obviously ending his uh, his reign, as they say, of the uh, you know, as the fourth host of, of tonight's show. And his final guest is going to be Conan O'Brien, which yeah. sort of seems like a thing that the network probably asked him to do in exchange for being allowed to have who is it like like Lyle Lovett or somebody on? Well, the the, the musical guests have right. have all had this common thread where they've all had like twenty five different have 25 appearances on the night show if you take a look at the list you'll see uh yeah uh, uh lyle lovett 25 times dwight yokum 25 right. times on the you know it, it's it's that kind of thing so the Prince question is going to be on the, the night billy crystal's on there and it, you know, i mean it really is it really is worth it really is worth noting how much times have changed in that that late night slot i mean when he when leno took over was just was considered so unbelievably important and I think that that has really changed a lot, not just with with the internet and online stuff, but you know the invention of something like the TiVo, where uh, you know the idea that it, that you had a lock on that late night audience because at eleven thirty p.m. there was just nothing else on, there was no choice, and that's just no that's no longer the case. I, I think that we have probably seen the end of that era where late night television is a crucial block of programming. Well, there's also an, another factor to that that Leno brought up yesterday is that you know. People, the sh people's shifts are different. They they go to bed earlier. Like uh, ten o'clock is the new eleven thirty. So people say, you know, I can't stay up till eleven anymore. I got to go to bed. I got to get up at four. I got to get up at five. Um, so that late night audience has dwindled there too. And part of the the uh, ease of doing that for many people is, as you say, the TiVo. Um, so he says, you know, what he'd like to do is get to that ten o'clock slot. Right. 
try and build an audience there. There hasn't been a successful launch of a drama series in about five years at that time slot, much less comedy, and there's just no laughter. You know, he said, look, you know, 10 o'clock, you turn it on, they're removing a cerebral cortex or something. You know, there's not really anything to laugh at, and he's hoping that over the long haul, uh, he can bring some comedy back to that and some ratings back to that time slot for him. It is weird, actually, to think back to, like, you know, because Carson was on, um, I want to say, and I can't remember, was Carson on 1130 to 1230 or 1130 to 1? 11 to 1, originally, yeah. And, you know, I remember my dad would stay up, and like most of America, he would stay up and he would watch the monologue because the monologue was... Carson's monologue was the Daily Show uh, of its time, in, right. in that it, it, it was a way to to find out about the news and everything that was happening. While also, but it was like in a really low impact fashion because it was in the, in the form of jokes. So you kind of felt like you had a sort of Cliff's Notes version of what was actually happening in the headlines. But it was you know it was also Carson. And then he would wait to find out who the guests were because the TV guide might not be accurate. And again, it wasn't the internet or whatever. So you'd wait to see Carson would say, "Coming up today, our guests are going to be musical guests, blah blah blah," and Joe. Embry from the San Diego Zoo, which is a thing that happens so often that we sort of riff on that now. We kind of close out our show with saying that. But, you know, and then based on what the guests were going to be, you'd either stay up and watch it, you go to bed. But it is weird to think that, like, as you said, the time shifts have been such in our personal lives that America used to just go to bed at like midnight every night, which kind of seems insane now. Because everybody is just so, it seems so unbelievably overworked. The, well, the idea of everybody that is going to bed at midnight just seems crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we used to get up at 8 o'clock to be at work by 9. Yeah. Now, because of traffic and everything else, shifts have have have, uh, have varied so that people don't get stuck in traffic. So people are now at work at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. You know, geez, how late, how early are you there now? Oh. You know? So it, it's like you can't go to bed at midnight anymore. You have to go to bed at 10, 10.30. You know, and and the toughest thing for Leno is going to be that second half hour. Right. You know, leading into Conan O'Brien was no big deal. Now he's got to lead into the 11 o'clock news, and he's got to do it well because the 11 o'clock news is where the local affiliates make all their money. Did he? You know? uh, did, 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 did Leno want to stay and do uh, another show, another shift, or was that something with NBC where NBC had some kind of contractual hold on him, and they said, "Well, okay, you can, le- you know, you're not working on the Tonight Show, but we're going to stick you somewhere else." Uh, he didn't really mention that. I think he, he his contract was up. So he didn't have to mount another show. They came to him and said, why don't we do this? And he said, well, you know, will it work at 10 o'clock? Right. Do some research. Come back and let me know. And if your research shows it, it, it could work, then let's give it a shot. You know, I mean, he says he doesn't need to do this, that it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of icing on the cake. If, if everything ended today for him, he would be very happy. Yeah. You know, but so, I mean, and, and if this thing works... Because he loves to work, and he loves to just go in the office every day and be home by dinner time. You know, traveling for him while he does it still, it's arduous. And so he said, look, if I can make this work, that's even better for me. Fair enough. And he'll take some of the same elements, the jaywalking, the headlines. He'll take some of those, too, for that first half hour. That second half hour is going to have to be something different. He promises it will, whatever that means. Because he's, you know, if the local affiliates don't get a good lead into the 11 o'clock news so people watch the news and then pay attention to the advertising, everybody's going to start canceling them. All right. Well, on that note, uh, I would like to encourage you to use the phrase dancing Itos in your uh, reporting today. So, all right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, have a great weekend. There you go. That's CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley. We also got uh, Pearl Jam uh, on the way. It's Rick Emerson, Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. 
In the news with Tim Riley. A duck and a pig are looking for a new home and must be kept together. Although the Oregon Humane Society doesn't usually take in farm animals, they have several right now from a farm neglect case in Malala. So this pair are Potato the Pig and Henry the Duck. They're best friends, in fact. They have uh, lots of pictures of them online walking together. And oh, spending... that's adorable. Okay. They cannot be split up. So if you want to adopt them, Potato the Pig must be adopted with Henry the Duck. They're looking for an adopted family right now. They're among the uh, only survivors from this neglect case that landed a man in jail. So if you're interested, contact the Oregon Humane Society. So that's if you want to adopt Potato the Pig and Henry the Duck together. It's going to be like that episode of My Three Sons where uh, where Chip and Ernie uh, you know, became uh, brothers and then were inseparable after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, elsewhere, let's see. You know, we started off the morning by saying GM is going to close down 1,100 dealerships. Has the news gotten better, Tim? Is everyone going to keep their jobs? Uh, well, no. They, they, Are we on the road to recovery? They Fantastic. Of, I'm going to go buy some things right now on credit that I can't possibly afford. They've kind of doubled that figure. Now it's up to 2,600. Oh. That's 42% oh, that's... of their 6,200 dealerships. So not good news, then. Not good news. 42%? 42 so that, so that is 42% of their dealerships. Is that the whole country? That's the not whole just a country. region. The whole country. So that, okay, so 42%. So that's 2,600. So that means, the, the, what, there's like 6,000 dealerships, yes. and they're closing 2,600 of them. Yes. I mean, it's just astounding. What is the timetable for that? Uh, like now. <laughs> I mean, you got there's a guy unbolting the sign as we speak. Mm-hmm. Give me an air drill. Mm-hmm. All right. So at some point today. But All I right. mean, the, the time is going to come when, you know, GM will just be one brand of car. That a dealership will offer, right? Like I have my uncle in New Hampshire sells Saabs and Subarus well, on his lot. It'll be, you know, it, you know what it is. It'll be like a, it'll be like a shoe store at some point, right. uh, you know, where there is. I hate to use this example because we have a lot of friends who work at Nike and they're making some uh, streamlining decisions of their own. Uh, but you know, there's Nike Town. But on the other hand, you can go to a store and there's 50 brands of shoes. Yes, and the, the car dealerships are probably going to be that way as well. I would imagine that seems to be the way that the free market system is trending at this point. mm Hmm. So anyway, we've all been to high school, and uh, things have changed for many of us. A Florida high school girl forgets to wear her panties on yearbook photo day uh-huh. and will now regret it for the rest of her life. Where was that, Tim? Florida. Oh, damn it. I didn't even, in, uh, I didn't even see that coming. Damn you, Sarah Dillon, yes. your black heart. All right. Yes, the uh, school board comments on the private parts exposed in the yearbook. We don't believe that there is an exposure in the yearbook. It's a shadow. Wait, what? I don't understand. What? I, I don't understand anything that's going on in the story. All right. So there's a girl in Florida, and this is a yearbook photo. Yes. But this is but is it, this isn't a yearbook photo like she like you know here's Heather at cheerleading practice. This is yes, like where something you, like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is this a class photo? No, no, it's her individually. Okay, but in other words. What, what am I trying to say? In other words, this wasn't no, no, like she a did, handed action no, no, shot or she something. Did not, she did not pose. Saying, it wasn't Look the, at me. I'm not wearing my panties today. This wasn't for the upskirt section or something of, oh, the, of, the, of the yearbook. Some fetish. Wait, have pictures changed? I thought you just take pictures from, like... The down blouse section brought still, to you by Fred's Burger Bar. This is still the yearbook. <laughs> well, Tim, uh, youth uh, are not as innocent today as they, as I, they I once mean, were. I mean, table of contact, panties, no panties, it wasn't like that. How would you this like your yearbook girl. today? Would you uh, like your yearbook with uh, extra extra vagina? That's great. Okay, that, so that's much. Right. Um, that, so, that was icky. The, that was icky. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. So um, the... Uh, but that's that, that's kind of point I'm making, though, is it's not like this wasn't a photograph in which... 
look at me. I'm not wearing panties. <laughs> I guess here's. So is this like her class portrait? No, see, that's what I'm asking. No, because it's usually shot because let's, on the face. Let, let me just right. let's let's say for example. Let us unless say, you ask for something else, but let's, I, I doubt they'd agree to that, like <laughs> Sears. <laughs> Hey, instead of this blue sky background, can I get something with a uh, with a pair of buttocks? That's great. Thanks. Um, no, no, no. Here's what I'm asking. What are you asking? Let's say theoretically, mm-hmm. a young person of whatever uh, whatever age. I'm sure she's 18. Uh, no, the, no, she's younger. She's a junior. Oh well, that's unfortunate. Uh, the, uh, the, the but I guess my point here is, if you went to school and you had a skirt on, and for whatever reason you quote forgot. To wear your panties, because I'm sure that's a thing that would never occur to you as you were getting dressed in the morning. And you, I'm sure in no way would you ever notice the fact that all of your you know, business was being exposed to the open box, air. My my backpack, oh, panties? Maybe <laughs> but, tomorrow, I'm in a hurry. But let's say you went to school without underwear, and then, I don't know, and then you're, you're in gym class or something, and it's javelin-throwing day, and a guy happens to be taking photographs of the yearbook, mm. ooh, an inadvertent reveal of something private. This isn't that, though. This is like the class photograph, as Sarah pointed out. It is a picture of a girl in the club pages. What kind of club is this? Is the... All right, whatever. And what kind of pose are you striking that you can see that she's not wearing panties? That's, you know I guess, my question. Group. Maybe she was sitting in a chair and not sitting in the Oh, she, like. uh, this is like a well, basic you instinct. Have to, you have to buy the yearbook. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is a 16-year-old girl. Is that an option? or I, I guess so. This is... Uh, she's a Stickles Junior. This is Stickles <laughs> High School. I bet it is, Tim. They found ah! out about the photo when the seniors got the yearbooks on Monday. She's not been back to school since. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, okay. More than 200 yearbooks have been passed out so far. Oh, well, I, look, here's Hundreds the thing. Hundreds more went out by Wednesday. <laughs> Many more yearbooks are expected to go out in the next week. I Look, I used to lament the fact that I would forget that it was picture day and I wouldn't bring a comb. Mm-hmm. So, the and is this like a Sharon Stone kind of a thing where she's sitting in a chair, uh... Please tell me that you're not looking up the yearbook photo online. I no, I, I have about. a picture of the page, <laughs> but it, it is not a close-up. One but must I mean, use your imagination. So, Sarah, would you, you're, Sarah, you're a girl. Would you imagine? Is this the thing where she's sitting, kind of like I am in this chair, and I maybe just, there's a skirt, and so maybe well, the I'm shot a skirt is today, but I'm wearing leggings. Like I just, it wouldn't occur to me to not wear but the underwear. Theoretically speaking, though, if, if you're sitting, this girl, she didn't sit in a chair. I think be like. Like how, that's my thing. It's like splayed open. <laughs> it's like wait, wait, hold on. What are maybe your... she was trying to do the cool like turn around in the chair, and she's sitting like across the back. So I guess is this is more like a Peter Carlin type shot. Is this uh, is this like how some kids will pose with like a guitar, and some kids will pose with like a shotgun? A pen? <laughs> some kids will pose with stirrups. I mean, that's kind of sounds like what this. What, what well, is this happening. is only one stirrup. All right, we have to. Is there more to this? More, yes, I do. Okay, uh, can we? Can, we have to continue this on the other side, though. So here's okay. the thing: this story will be continued when the Rick Let Emerson me put show. Put this in the in- uncompleted box. Thank you, Tim. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Still uh, to come, we have Foo Fighters. Something that rhymes with yes. Foo Fighters. Foo yes, yes, yes. Fighters. All right, yeah, Foo Fighters. Uh, and later on, CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Aaron Duran counting on the top five zombie films. This, however, from Appetite to, uh, for Destruction is Guns and Roses. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO Friday morning. Just ahead this hour, we have CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com will be here as well to talk about Angels and Demons as well to count on the top five zombie uh, films of all time. 
Speaking of that, we have tickets to the Zompire Foam Festival and the Zombie Prom, all part of ZombieCon PDX 2009. This Saturday. That's right, uh, with a zombie costume contest that's being judged by uh, Sarah Dillon, Tim Riley, uh, myself. They keep, I just well. realized we keep talking about it and we haven't ever said when it is. It's uh, tomorrow. It is happening tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's yeah. you can find out more at uh, KUFO.com or ZombieConPDX.com, Portland's first annual ZombieCon, ZombieConPDX. Dot com is a website, so tickets to that. Uh, the Dana Carvey Show on DVD as well. And uh, last but certainly not least, tickets to see Tina, uh, Cinematic Titanic, which is Joel Hodgson and some of the other uh, cast and crew from the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. They're going to be in town on May 29th and 30th. We're going to be interviewing Joel Hodgson, by the way, as well. So uh, it's all very, very exciting. Very exciting. So that'll be uh, given away here uh, later on uh, in today's program. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. The Mandelgaon School District announces it'll eliminate 77 teaching positions next year due to a bunch of deficit. They don't need no education. A man has been burned during an indie film shoot in Lebanon. Fire investigators said the film crew was attempting a pyrotechnic stunt when part of a house and a man caught fire. Sounds like the stunt was just more effective than it initially planned. Uh, they were shooting an independent film scene in an abandoned house just outside of Lebanon when the accident occurred, and this happened last Saturday. Oh. And we're just finding out about it now. Well, look at him flail and scream and wave his arms. He's a real talent, I tell you. Well, they had a certified pyrotechnician at the scene, but for some unknown reason, both the house and the man caught fire. <laughs> were they, did someone uh, extend flame towards them after dousing them in some kind of uh, flammable material, do you suppose? I suppose so. That no word explain. yet on what the victim's name is or what the name of this motion picture is. Right. Uh, so, are we go Oh. This is kind of strange. Police say they've arrested a man suspected of fatally stabbing his AOL chat buddy after she refused to meet him a second time. Uh, this happened in New York City, so you don't have to be on Craigslist to get killed anymore. Is that sort of like on Facebook where you uh, where you poke somebody, except you're doing it with a, a sharp knife? That would be it, yes. Right. So do we have the, the second half of this unfortunate story with the uh, right. the, the yearbook? Oh, business? and Greg sent me a picture, I guess. This I is uh, Sickles High School. So this is, wait, let's back up for a second. So this is where, uh, so there's some unfortunate uh, girl who went to school without... Uh, well, we always forget something in the morning, all of us. <laughs> but she but, uh, but she forgot her panties. I mean, I say unfortunate girl, but it sounds like that's a thing you'd notice. Like, I mean, uh, look, I would clearly notice if I left the house without shoes mm-hmm. or, you know... Anything underneath my pants. So, and Sarah has pointed out that I think uh, for women, especially if you're wearing a skirt, which it sounds like she was, if you're able to see the whole, the store there, uh, that's a thing that if uh, you are wearing a garment that is a little roomy or perhaps exposed to the outside, you're going to notice if you don't have underthings on. Well, and plus, like, girls don't want to wear them so you can't see, like, a panty line or anything, but they make underwear for that. They make thongs. Like, it's not that difficult. Right. And so so this is either inadvertently or advertently exposed in the yearbook, depending on one's view. I haven't looked at the picture, but Greg sent it to me. Wait a minute. I don't know. He found it so quickly. Greg's got a keen eye for undressed underage girls online, Tim. Way to go, Greg. Way to go. <laughs> Kitty porn. So uh, this... Well, well, he's, he he's the only one logged into that computer. Seriously, as long as you're your own username, friend. That's between you and HR. He did say it's censored. Thank oh, goodness. it's been blurred? Yeah. Okay, good job. Okay, well done. Well, I, the, the school said that whole area looks like a blur. I take it... What's wrong with her body that the whole I'm, area looks like a blur? <laughs> So maybe it isn't blurred. Maybe it's, maybe just, well, like, it's, it's not that it's a close-up, my dear. It's a gynecological issue that I don't want to oh. know anything about. I mean, about. unless you're like a foot away, staring directly into that area. <laughs> and I don't think that's what happened Finish here. That, that. I don't know where that sentence ends. Finish that. Uh, well, you wouldn't know whether it's a regular blur or what's supposed to be there. 
Yeah, and it's a pretty far away picture. I'm looking at this now, and there's a little blurred dot. I don't know what we're talking about. Let me go Wait. stare at her dot. Wait, hold on. So am I looking at this? Yeah. All yeah. Right. So, so this is... I want to go look at it, too. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so... I need to know this to complete the story. Hang on. Yes, you are a newsman. All right. So she's sitting... Okay, so, th- so this is a, uh, a bunch of students that are sitting on bleachers. Uh, the kids are all sitting on bleachers, having their fun. And by the way, that's a real ghetto-looking photo. Let's just—I mean, really, like that's what? That's really trashy. Well, it, it looks like that something has been spread across that area. No, but I mean, what a low-budget photograph that is. I mean, it, it, well, this is Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know, but even in Florida, I mean, they have. Doesn't that just look like it was? Ta- it looks like it was taken by some guy's, uh, like by some guy's cell phone, as he was sort of just wandering by some kids who happened to be hanging out after lunch. So. It is just, it's a bunch of students sitting on what appear to be bleachers, having their photograph taken, and the girl in question is in the front row. Mm-hmm. She's and, a junior. And she's wearing a green dress, uh, and there is a blur uh, in the lower area there indicating that because she is in the front row and sitting, uh, you know, with her... It looks like it's been purposely blurred. Yeah, but I mean, she has like the Sharon Stone thing going on, apparently, and so I guess they've, they've blurred that. So... So people are going to be returning this year. But did you say that the woman from the school claims that it's not uh, any, that there's no right. nothing revealed? It's a shadow of some kind? It's yes. shading? And then the girl's mother disagrees. Is it a shadow? Is it not a shadow? My point is, you know what? It really doesn't matter. The photo in itself is damaging to a 16-year-old and should not have been published. So then the girl admits she didn't wear her undergarments that day. The young girl admits she did not wear underwear that day, but because she did not want her panty lines to show. But this is not something you wanted to do on purpose. No, absolutely not. It's ridiculously embarrassing. And now she can't stop crying. I started crying. I was freaking out. I didn't know what I was going to do because this is my junior year. It's so important. And I didn't think I'd be able to go back to school knowing that everyone knew and had seen the picture. I have no empathy for that girl. Nothing. And now forever, she's going to be known as the girl without panties. Because as Sarah pointed out, uh, they make uh, they undergarments. They make underwears for that. Yeah. And well, and here. No, I have no sympathy for her. What a stupid girl. And, and my other thing is like. Stupid girl. Let's assume for the moment that they did not make underwear to remove. Uh, they they know, don't sell underwear in Florida. Well, I mean, they, yes, and you, plus you can see your panty line so much when you're sitting on a bleacher. That was going to be my thing. Is like Gee. you're sitting on your ass, which is where the panty lines are presumably visible, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. like you can't. I mean, you, you, the panty lines are, I guess, maybe on the the side, and then on your, uh, you know, from from the back, you see those. But the photograph is like her sitting down anyway. It's not like it's a like an action shot where she's walking by the camera or something. So, well, I don't know what kind of lady she is, but I mean, if you're a woman, she's and you're no wearing, lady. She's not. If you're a woman and you're wearing a skirt, you're fully aware of what's going on. Yes, you're not just going to sit there and just be like, "Woo, how are you?" <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not. Look I mean, me. that that's the thing. I mean, that's the other. You would be. Um, well, look, if you're a guy, imagine this. I guess if, you, if I guess if you get out of the shower, you wrap yourself in a towel. And I mean, that's the way to, that's the best way to maybe approximate what this is like. So if you were a guy and you wrapped a towel around your waist and then you walked out of the living room because the Amway guy was at the door and the Amway guy, you know, you invite him in against your better judgment because he's got some exciting soap flake deals he wants to talk to you about. And the Amway guy sits on one side of the living room on the, you know, one side of the coffee table and you sit on the couch on the other side of the coffee table facing the Amway guy. You're going to be aware of whether or not he can see your genitals. So it seems, and it sounds like she's making it sound like the underwear, like the, the the Sans underwear thing was not a regular occurrence. So she would be even more hyper aware of that. Well, if I was her, I mean, if you, if you, even if you weren't wearing underwear, you don't go into the press and say that you weren't. She should yeah. have just been saying like, I did wear underwear. She That's should have it. been like, it's a, it's a shadow. It's a blur. It's a thing. It's whatever. Seriously, instead of being like, yeah, you know, I decided to just 
Oh, I can't say that. But I just said it's just not wear underwear that day. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. So and all the boys are going to be staring at her blur. <laughs> yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. they are, Tim. Well, she could end up someday like Amber, who makes $4,000 a week pimping herself on Craigslist, <laughs> calling herself hot and fun. They have a valve that blocks it so air can go in but not out, and it goes. Let's let's actually just let's take that as a good exit oh point. <laughs> let's all have a good laugh, shall we? <laughs> done and done. It's the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, Friday morning. 503-228-4101. In mere moments, we will be joined by CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins from The Hill. Later on, Aaron Duran from geekinthecity.com will talk about uh, the top five zombie films of all time. We'll also have a final pair of tickets to Cinematic Titanic featuring Joel Hodgson from the original Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, coming up as well. That is May 29th and 30th. Uh, tickets on sale now. We'll be giving away a pair of tickets. Final pair of tickets for this week. Uh, that'll be uh, next hour. Uh, before we do anything else, I should say that uh, right now, if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101, you want a copy of the Dana Carvey Show on DVD. SNL veteran Dana Carvey takes a decidedly hilarious spin on politics and pop culture in the sketch comedy series, including the comedic talents of Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert. Before they were household names, the DVD available on Amazon brought to you by your friends, at Shout Factory. That is the Dana Carvey Show on DVD uh, right now. 503-228-4101. If you are the 10th caller, Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines on your Friday. Today's property tax day. Make sure they're in the mail and postmark tonight. Otherwise, you'll be penalized. Yep. That's property tax for everybody, no matter what uh, county you live in. It is the third payment of the year. Make sure they're in the mailbox. Elsewhere, uh, the campaign to kick off Mayor Sam Adams. Well, the big kickout party begins at Nick's Coney Island Hot Dogs last night. Looks like GM will close up to 42% of its dealerships nationwide. Miss California will host a Fox News show for the day. Of course she She canceled the Larry King uh, parents after celebrating at a birthday party too much the night before. Really? Is that the actual? Isn't mm-hmm. that because initially they said they wouldn't say why she was canceling. There was just no explanation. It was given. a birthday party the night before. She was feeling a little, uh, a little worn. Mm-hmm. All right. Excellent. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. How are you? How are things? How's life? I'm good. I'm good. It's a great um, Friday here in Washington, but I'm good. Excellent. Hey, uh, so uh, never mind. I was, you know, I was getting to go again to go the whole thing about about Larry King and Miss California. But you know what? At this point, I've uh, I did a quick mental assessment, and I and I actually don't care. So, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna plunge on ahead. We'll just leave that behind because I saw two words uh, today uh, in, in the news that I hadn't seen in a long time together, and those words were Rove and Carl. And it's funny for a guy that was just seen as the as sort of the evil overlord of the Republican Party for so long, and a guy who seemed simultaneously omnipresent and then completely invisible. He sort of vanished. I mean, he kind of dropped off the map. And I mean, what, you know, even before W's term was up. Um, so he's kind of, so he's, I guess he's back. He's going to be testifying or he's going to be talking to Congress or something today. But what, where has Karl Rove been? What has he been doing? 
You know, uh, he he actually has still been doing Republican strategy behind the scenes, uh, but we don't know exactly how much, and we don't know precisely uh, with which uh, campaigns. He has had a couple of appearances on TV every now and then. He's popped up um, on you know things like Sunday shows, or you'll see him interviewed uh, for you know pieces on Situation Room every now and then, not too often. Uh, but yeah, he he maybe he's been get ready to testify in this case. He does sort of seem to be. Um, uh, I don't know. He. Kind Kind of seems to be this Kaiser Sozean figure who lurks a little bit uh, behind the scenes, as you said, because you, on the one hand, everybody sort of lived in terror of that guy, but on the other, it's like nobody really ever saw him or worked directly for him or knew anybody who worked directly for him, which he must have figured out at some point was his greatest asset. Uh, you know, and then as, as soon as he began to be a little bit more focused on by the media, that's when he kind of just uh, vanished like that. Yeah, he was gone. Feared as soon as they knew that it was him, right? Yeah, he, and he does have that appearance. Like maybe, maybe it is just a Mission Impossible mask. The whole thing. <laughs> Who is he really? He's really uh, he's really a reptilian from the planet Zirknon. <laughs> um, hey, no, but so this, this is uh, you know the trick here is that this is the exact testimony he's been avoiding uh, for the last three years. He cited separation of powers at that point, saying. Congress can't force anyone in the White House to testify, which is a, a you know a strong argument potentially. But you know that never really had to, they never really had to go to the Supreme Court over that because now with an independent prosecutor on this case over who fired U.S. attorneys and why, uh, he says he's cooperating because he thinks this prosecutor's independent. If I were Karl Rove, I would just go everywhere dressed in a black cape uh, <laughs> that had sort of you know and and that had what are those like gold uh, what are those epaulets or whatever those things are on the shoulder and just and have the and like have a guy walk behind me with a boombox the whole time just playing the imperial march uh, you're, you're theme. thinking like the because i was you're not the dracula cape you're thinking like the prussian exactly kind of no that's exactly like a sort of uh like a sort of vlad dracul uh kind <laughs> of uh, kind of a thing going on hey uh, i don't know if you can speak to this uh but i there's all this talk about I don't know, these apparently these these uh, horrific uh photographs of these like uh, you know these terror detainees or these these guys at guantanamo that are I don't know. They're having like a cheese grater taken to their privates or something. And and and, and that when he was uh, senator and then candidate Obama, he was all for releasing these photographs and letting the scurrilous deeds of American uh, you know forces be known and letting everybody kind of know who got mistreated by who. But now that he is President Obama, that suddenly seems like a less desirable option to him. And of course, all of uh, you know Democrats have predictably just switched all of their stances to kind of line up behind him, which. I mean, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but it, but it kind of does because he ran so hard on that full disclosure platform. Yes, I think I think he has he is doing two things this week that are really angering uh, people in his base, especially on the left, and and this is one of them. And the argument coming out of the White House is that the photos now they insist that these photos are not that bad. In fact, that's that was uh, what we were told in so many words from one of the officials that the photos are not nearly as bad as the original Abu Ghraib photos with the dogs and the wires and the uh, hooded hooded costumes that we supplied for our detainees. Um, but they say that these date, these photos are bad enough that they think it would inflame anti-American um, kind of hostility. Because really? the rest of the world loves us so much as it is. The rest of the world really needs reasons to dislike us right now. Right, and that's it, that's what the president says he balanced. And we know that Republicans uh, and one independent, Joe Lieberman, independent slash Democrat, Joe Lieberman, urged him, came to him and said, listen, if you release these photos, we really think there will be more attacks against American soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I think particularly Afghanistan because uh, the Taliban is making advances there. So a lot of concern that these photos would help recruiting for terrorist groups, all of that. 
And in the end, the president sided with that argument. Of course, like you say, those on the left, say the ACLU, they argue if you do not release these photos of past abuse, you're encouraging future abuse. They also say then you're, you're also raising this sort of, uh, you know, angels and demons-esque specter that what is the U.S. hiding exactly? And is Barack Obama involved in some kind of conspiracy? And it, it raises these questions, this idea that the U.S. is hiding things. By God, you're relatable. You just tied today news into the release of the new dan brown film angels and demons lisa you know i tr- i try uh, do you uh, are you interested in hosting a morning show at some point it <laughs> seems like you uh it seems like you really know how to tie things together in a way that uh, to which people can relate hey uh, it's just it's sort of as we kind of wrap this up i got two things one no 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 there's no mockery on this side of the, the uh, no 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 the uh, on this side of the table that's all sincerity <laughs> I do admire the fact that you can sort of weave pop culture in anything, and so I'm going to bring this to two things. One, just the the, the words Joe Lieberman just fill me with a sort of angry fatigue. I would like to to raise money and then take a vote, the entire nation, just to kick him out to sea on an ice floe, just so we don't have to hear him talk about anything anymore. He just, it's like listening to a long, pedantic lecture by Droopy Dog. (laughs) Secondly, would you now like to give a brief uh, summation of a story that you told me uh, over the weekend about uh, you and your husband Jason coming into possession of, yes, a full Stormtrooper costume? Indeed, and this is the great thing. It was at Mother's Day brunch with my 77-year-old mother, who's, you know, she's from New England. She's a bit proper. And my my brother, my brother's partner, and my husband and I were all there. And next to the brunch site happened to be a costume store going out of business, 75% off. And, of course, you know, the four of us, me and my brother and, you know, our, our significant others are, like, g- giggling and jumping. And my mom is kind of just polite, politely smiling as we're putting on uh, the Stormtrooper costume. Sadly, as I told you, we did not get the giant Burton Ernie heads, though my, um, my, my brother's partner, Charlie, did get a big, nice, velvety pimp hat, to which my mother asked, well, what costume is that exactly? And I said, Mom, it's, it's, for, it's a criminal thing. And she said, well, what, what, kind of, what kind of criminal would wear that? And I said, well, Mom, it's, you know, it's pimps, you know. <laughs> basically. And did your mother say, you're such a nice girl. Why do you know what a pimp is, Lisa? (laughs) She kind of just looked at me and said, oh, okay. You totally could have played it off as like, it's it's like an Earl of Windsor uh, hat or something. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It's it's really it's a it's a um, yeah I don't know I, I I don't know. And I think you you uh, I think you chose correctly not getting the quote giant burden Ernie heads because that's just the sort of thing that'll haunt you like a bad acid flashback. Yeah, I think so. I think it really seemed like a great idea, and uh, you know we said if we if we really feel it tomorrow we'll, we'll come back we'll Excellent. come back for the burnt Ernie heads. But no, the stormtrooper is great, and I, I also got a fantastic wig, and it was great. Excellent. Have a fantastic weekend, and uh, okay. we will speak with you next week. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, great. There you go, Lisa Desjardins. Ladies and gentlemen, excellent, wonderful. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up, more news with Tim Riley. Later on, Aaron Duran counts down the top five zombie films, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we've also got your final tickets to Cinematic Titanic. Stay there. It's Ozzy Osbourne. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Fence posts, patios, or walkways. Pick up Sacred Fast Setting Concrete Mix at Lowe's today for all your outdoor projects. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Right here on Rock 101 KUFO, where apparently it's a federal law that every commercial must be tagged by Greg Nibbler. Well done. Good job, Greg. It's really, and with zeal, and with gusto, and zest. Well, the salespeople probably have a one sheet. Tags by Greg Nibbler. 
<laughs> that's, that's added value, Tim. Mm-hmm. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-228-4101. Congratulations to Jeff and Forrest Grove. He uh, picked up a copy of the Dana Carvey Show on DVD. Before the end of the show today, we'll give away a ZombieCon PDX uh, packet that includes a three-day pass uh, to the Undead Film Festival, as well as a pair of tickets to the Zombie Prom uh, featuring costume contest, judged by us, the Rick Emerson Show. Us! Uh, let's see. Uh, what out. Is, and uh, finally, uh, before the end of the show today, we'll have a pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic live and in person. That is Joel Hodgson and the rest of the cast from uh, the original Mystery Science Theater 3000. It'll be in town. Tickets on sale now, uh, but we can be giving away a pair before uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, Aaron Duran is on the way with the top five zombie films of all time. This, however, at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Finally at last, those two women switched at birth finally meet. What do they think about each other? And when you saw each other the first time, what did you think? That's me. (laughs) (laughs) My husband about fell over. Was your heart pounding when you went to see her to see if this was possible? Oh, I was scared. Yeah. But but Juanita, you said we don't need a DNA test. Look at us. (laughs) Exactly. But after the laughter... (laughs) But I'm so confused. They're not twins, though. No, no. These are the two ladies switched at birth in Washington. This is the big story last week. But why would it be weird to meet each other then? I mean, and like, why would they, they look they, alike? Well, they didn't know they existed. But why would they look alike? She's the soundbite makes it sound as though they look alike. Why no, would... I, I, I think they're misinformed. Because it said DNA test. Right. They got a DNA test and found out that they they were with the wrong parents all along. They were switched when they were uh, washed when they when they were babies in the hospital and given back to the wrong mothers. <laughs> When they were washed. Washed. That's always where the problems come, Tim, is when you start washing things. It's fine as long as they're crusted well, it's what in happens filth. when you wash the babies. You can give them back to the wrong mother wash if you're not baby. careful. Yes. So uh, now uh, they're both sad and realize their lives have been meaningless. There are tears standing in your eyes. Why? It's sad. My life has been a lie. Well, there you go. So, well, you know, they have no right to complain. They could be like that, uh, that monkey woman who doesn't have a face. Uh, yes, they could, Tim. I mean, Maybe. Maybe. I I would say that that would be so. Uh, so her daughter has been visiting her and says her mother is able to breathe because they stuck a tube down her throat and she's able to talk. They have a valve that blocks it so air can go in but not out and it goes out through her mouth so she can speak. Is this the soundbite that we played earlier after the story about the girl with no panties? Because yeah. that was an unfortunate juxtaposition. Well, this is separate. All right. Okay. So this is this a... is the woman who who was uh, uh, snacked on by the monkey. It's different. So her daughter visits her daily. Please don't feed the monkey with your nose. And she tries not to uh, bring up the reason that she's in the hospital. Most of the time, I don't really think about it too much. I mean, Lie. I try to live just like I normally would. You're looking great. <laughs> Have you lost weight? I there's something different about you, Mom. I can't quite. Is it your haircut? No. No, no, no. Just uh, shake your head violently twice for yes. Is it uh, new shoes? No. Wait a minute. Hold on. No. Let me. So her mom can breathe. Is that really where we're setting the bar for advancement at this point for the no-face woman? Yes. You, you can breathe. Well, so far, things are going to get better, of course. Really? Is that what the daughter said? Is that what the daughter said right after? Well, they're putting she... new faces on people now. We talked about that earlier this week. Well, we... She's on the list for a face. Do we know that that's the case, though? Have they said that she might be on the list for the face transplant? Because they should... Here's the thing, because the woman, the monkey woman, is at the Cleveland Clinic. Which where they is... give out new faces. That and that, Right. That's where they did uh, this uh, uh, face transplant from earlier in the week. The woman who had the weird, the kind of weird, saggy thing uh, going on. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, there you go. So, uh... 
Tube in the breathing hole equals great. So she's hoping for something along the line of a Joan Rivers face, not the lady that we saw. Something in between. I wonder if you could put in a request. Uh, Do you have anything in, like, maybe an Albanian uh, look or something? Or maybe, uh, you know, nothing too Aryan, though. That would be great. Well, let's talk about the the women of Craigslist. Amber, who makes $4,000 a week pimping herself on Craigslist, uh, calling herself hot and fun. We are sitting in Boston. Mm -hmm. Where those attacks happen. Mm, yes. And tonight, you'll be out making calls again in that mm-hmm. very city. Yes, I will. There could be other Philip Markoffs out there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are somewhere. And you may end up with them one day. Possibly. You sit here and you just sound like you accept it. Also like you're on Xanax. You have to coming into this or you won't make it. You might just make it after all. (laughs) Hot and Fun keeps a weapon at her bedside just in case. I make sure that I have, you know, protection things to keep me safe, close by, within my reach. Like what? I keep mace, I have a knife, I keep my cell phone on me at all times. And this is all since the Philip Markov? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Christine Levine, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, what is it? She has that, that's a very soft kind of speaking style. Christine has a very soft kind of manner of speaking. But this woman actually almost sounds like she, it's almost like her jaw is wired or something. Like she can't, no, but she sounds more medicated, this girl. She can't quite open it her mouth. It could be at the end way. of a work day. I, I suppose, Tim, maybe she's... Maybe uh, her jaw might ache at that point. From speaking from, from so from much From negotiating prices and making small talk. Mm-hmm. From, um, yes. I have nowhere else to go there. That's uh, we're at the we're at the edge of a of a verbal precipice. Mm-hmm. Right, here's Tim Riley at the news. Let's do desk. a geek watch. Here's your geek watch uh, for whatever the hell this is. Friday on the Rick Emerson show. This high speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, remember you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux. And I just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's Don't forget no this comes out in the uh, special shit. edition this week. You got it. Yeah. Alex Request Special Edition came out on Tuesday. This is kind of a follow-up because I think we were all victims of this yesterday. Google apologized for what it calls a traffic jam that resulted in slow service or even interruption on the Internet search engine's main page. The Gmail and the Google's news site also reported sluggish, and it was unavailable to millions of users for about an hour. It's not the first time the company has faced such problems. An error in one of our systems caused us to direct some traffic through Asia. Well, that's a long way to go, I guess. As a result, about 14% of our users experience slow service and even interruptions. We've been working hard to make our services ultra-fast and always on, so it's especially embarrassing when a glitch like this happens. We're sorry. It won't happen again. I got, like, three thoughts. One is when they say, like, ultra-fast, that sounds like, from the world of tomorrow. Also, the Google thing freaked me out because we were talking about this yesterday with Kelly Clark from the Willamette, that it... It's like a that's like a utility going out at this point. When Google doesn't work, everybody in the country panics because it's like when the water won't come out of your faucet. Also, it screwed with my ability to play everybody the Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus trailer from YouTube because that's on the you know that's hosted by Google. All right, straight ahead we have Aaron Duran, ladies and gentlemen from GeekInTheCity.com, counting on the top five zombie films. Uh, we'll also give away a pair of uh, ZombieCon PDX tickets as well. This, however, is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUF. Oh. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland.
WFO. Friday morning, 503-228-4101. Within this hour, give away our final pair of tickets to see Cinematic Titanic featuring Joel Hodson and uh, some of the other guys from the original cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ladies and gentlemen, tickets on sale now. Also, uh, our final zombie prize pack, which is a three-day pass to the ended film festivals, where it's a pair, uh, pair of tickets to see uh, the zombie prom. Attend the zombie prom, which is, uh, I believe it is, uh, what is it in, in Back to the Future? Paradise Under the Sea? Fantasy Under the Sea? Yeah. Something or other? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Enchantment Under the Sea. There you go. For the win. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so with the zombie prom, it is Enchantment Under the Dead Sea. That is the theme for the zombie prom this year. So that is happening tomorrow night at Bossa Nova. So uh, we'll be there doing a uh, costume uh, contest judging. Tonight. Really? Are mm-hmm. you going to get a dress which will then... I'm, I'm going to find like you... a wicked prom dress from Valley Village or something. And so, yeah. They, they, which And then uh, we ourselves will be uh, uh, zombified. Uh, you should dress up tomorrow. as like Heathers of the Dead. Heather's, as in Heather's the movie? Yeah. Oh, oh I, I, I see. You know All what's right. so funny? I just watched Heather's yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. You'll be uh, counting on the top five zombie films of all time later on in the hour, and you'll be reviewing Angels and Demons as yes, well. Yes, I shall. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Friday morning. Nike will lay off 500 from Oregon, over 1,700 worldwide. Chrysler will co- close six Oregon car dealerships. And GM reportedly will close 2,600 nationwide. No word yet on what locals are involved on the chopping block this time around. And Battleground will eliminate 77 teachers. 70, is that, so that's just in Battleground or is that yeah, throughout? Yeah, just in Battleground. All right. How many schools are there in Battleground? I, I wouldn't was, think there would be a lot. I was going to say, isn't there like one big, uh, one big brick building there where yeah. everybody kind of goes and they, they sit and they learn how to like... Oh, sell weapons. I don't, <laughs> sir, they learn how to get a fishing hook out of your thumb. I mean, really, what else? What, Battleground seems like a very small place to me. It doesn't seem like if you laid off 77 people, you'd have anything left. It seems like the entire time would be bereft, be bereft of educators altogether. Nobody's noticed yet. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. Maybe I need to be spending more time in Battleground. It is a cosmopolitan slice of uh, Washington culture. It's 503-228-4101. That is all ahead on the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show continues next. I mean, it looks like a russet potato with legs. On Rock 101, KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Friday morning. It's 503. 203-228-4101. 503-228-4101, ladies and gentlemen. And now it is that time on the Rick Emerson Show. Giving away our final pair of passes to ZombieCon PDX, which includes the Zombie Prom happening tomorrow night at Bossa Nova, featuring a zombie costume contest judged by us, the Rick Emerson Show. It is Enchantment. Under the Undead Sea, that is the uh, theme of the zombie prom. And uh, the Undead Film Festival, which happens tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday uh, at the Hollywood Theater. That is the uh, Undead Film Festival at the Hollywood Theater. All the details for this at ZombieConPDX.com. If you could be caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101 and answer this zombie question correctly. George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead all take place in what U.S. city? Be caller number 10 at 503-228-4101 and correctly answer this zombie question. George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead all take place in what U.S. city? You can be caller 10 at 503-228-4101 and answer that correctly. Ladies and gentlemen, you wear the uh, final uh, zombie uh, prize pack. Tim Riley, what headlines are we tracking on this Friday? 
Desperately seeking peanut butter, the Portland Police Bureau Sunshine Division eats peanut butter. There's a countywide shortage of it. That 17-year-old battleground high school student accused of trying to sell a gun at school. He'll go to court today. And I think this is a piece of propaganda. It says the economic downturn is making people buy more high-priced concert tickets. I'm sure that's the case, Tim. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not at all somebody trying to make that the reality by claiming that it's the reality mm-hmm. in the newspaper. What? <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's 503-228-4101. Let's uh, now welcome back to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com, Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. How's it going? It is going Shh, fantastic. Turn the flashlights off. I hear a witch. Nerd. <laughs> So this is the zombie bed that I've constructed was for all of our... Was that a Left 4 Dead joke? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> it is, because Aaron was asking about this bed that's playing right now, and this is uh, it is this is sort of a montage of various zombie things. There's some Army of Darkness here, there's some Night of the Living Dead, and then there's music for the video game Left 4 Dead, because, of course, ZombieCon PDX is this weekend. We'll be doing the uh, top five zombie films. You think anybody's going to show up in character? I'm sorry? You think you're going to get any uh, Lewis's or... I think just because that game has made uh, such an impact. I mean, uh, you know, there's been a lot of first-person shooters that are based on the zombie thing. There's a, uh, Dead Rising 2, which is coming out yeah. pretty soon. There's the huge uh, Call of Duty uh, World at War patch for the Nazi zombies. And, of course, there's Dead Snow, which is the Nazi zombie film, which somebody legally distinct from you has actually seen. Is that I correct? actually received it legally from somebody in Europe. They just sent me the copy that's in Norwegian. <laughs> Fantastic. So, well, but, I mean, really, what do you need to be able to, 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 to hear dialogue-wise? Yeah. I mean, it's Nazi zombies. What else do you need? Yeah, I'm kind of worried that when I finally see it in English, I won't like it as much. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not like, what am I watching this for, the plot? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of what am I watching this for, the plot, uh, Angels and Demons, uh, the new Tom Hanks film uh, from the Dan Brown novel of the same name. Uh, this is the uh, the sequel to The Da Vinci Code, although in the books, Angels and Demons comes before The Da Vinci Code. Um, Angels and Demons uh, deals with the... um, the the shadowy scientist group, the Illuminati, attempting to get their revenge on the Catholic Church for the purges during the Dark Ages in Europe for when science and religion, you know, butted heads and wouldn't get along. You know, unlike now, where they get along perfectly well. Of course. Well. No, no, no. That's, they embrace science with everything in them. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Tom Hanks's character is called in to help find these four missing cardinals that have been kidnapped by the Illuminati. These are the four cardinals that are considered to be elected as the next pope because the film opens with the pope dying. So it's all revolves around the conclave and a stolen piece of Annie Manor that was generated at the Hydron Collider in Switzerland is hidden somewhere in the Vatican City. And if Tom Hanks's character can't solve the riddle of the Illuminati, this dosage of Annie Manor will level Vatican City and destroy the church. Well, all right, then. It's, so I, this seems like a thing that is, as they say about a certain films, that is critic proof. In that the, the, the Dan Brown has such fanatical followers in, yeah. of his books that it's like if you're into it, you're going to read it or you're, you're going to read it and then go watch the film. And if you're not, I mean, if you find like I just found the Da Vinci Code to be so off-puttingly terrible that I I don't think there's anything that could really get me to watch this unless I happen to be incapacitated because of a horrific spine injury on the couch and I couldn't get to the clicker to change it off TNT. Right. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, that. as the books go, I, I enjoyed Angels and Demons more than Da Vinci Code. Just I just think it flowed better. Uh, people that are big fans of the book, uh, Ron Howard, the director, made a lot of changes. So I think this one's better than The Da Vinci Code. Um, it flows better. It has more of a – but everyone's also just kind of phoning it in. It is a it's – a, it's a paycheck film. That's exactly what it yeah. is. That's all of them needing a paycheck. Ron Howard got to eat. That's Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Frost Nixon is where he won his awards, but that don't pay. Yeah, no, it doesn't. You can't put it – I can't feed my family with a cod piece. I can't put it in a swimming pool with Frost Nixon. Right. Tim, do we have uh, some sound from this film? I do. That's Here is a uh, clip in which a church official tries to sway Robert Langdon, played by Tom Hanks, to help with an investigation. Let's listen. What do you want from me? These 
criminals who sent this underground meant it as a taunt, a provocation. But Captain Olivetti think if you can use it to learn their identity, perhaps we can stop this abomination. Why me? Your expertise, your erudition, your recent involvement with certain church, shall we say, mysteries? I wasn't under the impression that episode had endeared me to the Vatican. Oh, it didn't. A Vatican jet is standing by 20 minutes from here. Will you come with me? Is that Chekhov from Star Trek? Mamma mia, I come to Hollywood and I only get to work <laughs> as badly drawn ethnic stereotypes. And Tom Hanks, could he sound more bland? <laughs> so they, well, he was I Aaron, so I could him. Well, they take away the sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for the shot of my jiggling ass. Yeah, they oh, didn't. Did you say that they edited that out because a focus group, amazingly enough, decided they didn't want to see Tom Hanks getting it on with well, anybody? I got, I got bad news for you. You don't see him getting it on, but the first time you see Tom Hanks in this film, he is in a extra tight latex speedo swimming in the Harvard swimming pool. So when he comes out all glistening, does it leave Daniel Craig imagination? <laughs> um, can you see every supple curve of Tom Hanks's most private area? Yes, you can, you can indeed see wonderful. his bosom buddies. That's <laughs> well done. His friends. Although considering he's in his late fifties, uh, the guy's in pretty decent shape, though. So I got you know you got to give him credit for that. Let's do your top five, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Here's your five, top five for Friday. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. The top five zombie films is decided by Aaron Geek in the City, Duran. Tim Riley? Honorable mention goes to 1985's H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. You killed him. No, I did not. I gave him life. I haven't seen Reanimator for a long time. Yeah. It's been probably 15 years. And here's the part where everybody thinks that this uh, composer just ripped off Psycho. I was just going to say, holy Bernard Herrmann. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much note for note the same score. He's like, I didn't steal it. Sure you didn't. This is completely the same score. This is totally the Psycho score. Yeah, and this isn't like I found some bad thing online. I ripped this directly from my DVD, so... Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, you know, as Paul Stanley said, um, you know, it's okay to steal as long as you're not stealing glass. You've got to steal diamonds. <laughs> but yeah, Reanimator had to make the honorable mention because, well, maybe not, you know, like your traditional zombies because you'll have headless creatures, you'll have creatures without heads, you'll see creatures without bodies. This still has to make the list for some of the greatest, you know, zombie kills ever. Yeah. And it has a scene that can't be said on the air, but everyone who knows Reanimator... I, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. Yeah. These are the top five zombie <laughs> films of all time, as uh, determined by Aaron Durant. Tim Riley? Number five from 1981, The Evil Dead. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. yeah. What a fantastic movie. Yeah. This one, this one makes the list because this was kind of the first time that, um, first off, it was shot on a shoesting budget by guys just out of high school, basically, yep. with Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert and Bruce Campbell. This was the, the iconic zombie film in that this was the first time that nobody in the cast was safe. 
Right. Anybody could be possessed and turn into a zombie. And it was the first time that zombies had to be dismembered, not just shot in the head. So the blood really flows in this one. And that scene in the beginning with the uh, ch- with the chair hitting against the um, the front of the door. Oh, yeah. Like the front of the cabin. That is one of the scariest things I've ever seen, like the first 20 minutes of that movie. Yeah, for all the insane action that's in Evil Dead, Sam Raimi really takes his time setting it up. Oh, yeah. That way, once the deaths start to happen, you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Stephen King was a huge proponent of this film. Stephen King is the reason that the Evil Dead got... It became a hit because... He's the reason Sam Raimi has a career. Yeah, because he, he relentlessly pushed Evil Dead because he saw an, er, an early version of it, and he said it's the most ferociously original horror film I have ever seen. Yeah. And he just pimped that movie to everybody he saw. He's like, see Evil Dead, see Evil Dead, see Evil Dead. And yeah. so it's... He, he and I for quality, that man. Right. These are the top five zombie films of all time, uh, according to Aaron Geek in the City Duran. Tim Riley? Number four from 2004, Shot of the Dead. Cool. See what I'm saying? It's been, it's been. I know he's your best friend, but you do live with him. It's not that I don't like it. Ed, it's not that I don't like him. It's alright. It's a creepy film. (laughs) Spend a bit more time today. Just the two of us. Well, I mean. Simon, uh, Simon Pegg, of course, who was in the uh, new Star yes. Trek film. Can I get any of you drink? <laughs> this was probably the first zombie film that really did the perfect marriage of horror and comedy. In in many ways, it, uh, it is the best. I mean, it really reinvented uh, what was kind of a stale genre in many ways. I mean, yeah. it revitalized it. And sometimes when they try to do goofy horror, it doesn't really work. But I think because they had that kind of British brittle sort of comedy going on right, where it's yeah. very pointed. I think it is tremendously and effective. And there is definitely passion and love in the filmmakers. They know the genre. They love the genre. And it's frightening. That's the other thing. Shaun yeah. of the Dead has moments where it's really scary. Or just, yeah, completely horrific. The whole time you're laughing, ah, this is so much funny, this is so funny. He just shot his mom. Yeah. No, Wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't funny anymore, man. It's you unnerving. Know. Yeah. Top five zombie films according to Aaron Geek in the City Duran, Tim Riley. Number three from 1991, Brain Dead, also known as Dead Alive. Fantastic. That's the best line in the movie. Well done. Peter Jackson made this. Peter Jackson, before the Frighteners, before everything. But after, even before Meet the Feebles, there was Brain Dead. This uh, movie has an iconic scene where there's, a, I believe, a living room full of zombies. And a guy decides that the only way to deal with them is to take a, you know, like a a regular push lawnmower. (laughs) And he picks the lawnmower up. And turns it over so the whirling blades are exposed and just walks through the living room <laughs> with the whirling blades of the lawnmower pointed outward and just shreds every zombie in the place. It's fantastic. Yeah, where the zombie virus is spread by a rat monkey who bites his mother. Yeah. And it has a kung fu priest. It's it's quite something. Yeah, and that, and that, that moment where the priest says, I kick ass for the Lord. If you have not seen Dead Alive, and it's unbelievably gory. It is considered one of the most gory films ever made. It's it's just off the charts violent, but <laughs> but it's hilarious at the times, too. It's it really Newton's is. Violence, yeah, yeah, it really is. These are the top five zombie films of all time, according to Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Number two from 1985, Return of the Living Dead. This is my favorite. Really? Oh, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, this had to make the list because so high on the list for many reasons. One, this was written as the fake sequel to Night of the Living Dead because really? by then, uh, John Russo was no longer friends with George Romero. Uh, many people consider Russell to be the hack out of those two. And since Night of the Living Dead had no kind of copyright, 
he capitalized on that by calling it Return of the Living uh. Dead. Uh, this makes sense because it has heavily punk influenced uh, the costuming, the acting, the right. songs, because this is the cramps right now. This is also the film that established that zombies crave brains. Is, is that, that true? It was this not, is where it first happened. It was not zombie canon before this? No. Interesting. I didn't know because that. This also had talking do- zombies, and they would, they would ask for brains. It hurts being dead. It hurts to be dead. Is this the one with the freaky scene where they're in the van, they turn on the lights, and all the zombies yep. are right in front of them? Yeah. Oh. Is this the one that has the, the dog? The half dog? Yeah, the half yeah. dog. The half dog, and it has the uh, the slime guy who's dumped in the toxic acid. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Good yeah. times. Yeah. These are the top five zombie films of all time, as uh, decided upon by Aaron Duran of Geek in the City. Number one from 1968, Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, it shouldn't have been a big surprise that this is number one, but yeah. the damn thing still holds up. Oh, yeah. It's I... uh, over 40 years old, and uh, if you're all alone and you're just sitting there in your dark, in the dark room when you pop this movie on... It'll still mess with you. I watched it about six months ago, uh, actually, uh, just sitting up late at night and watched Return, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and it's still unbelievably creepy. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's a little deliberately paced, uh, you know, compared to today's films. I mean, it's, you know, some people might say it's slow, but it builds in a very realistic fashion. It does feel like it's almost happening in real time, which actually works to your benefit as a viewer. Right, and as, as is the fact with many of the... I hate to call it cerebral zombie films, but the the real enemies in this one are are us. It's not so much the zombies; they're the ones that just kind of force us to act like animals. As uh, as they would say in Star Trek, it's the enemy within. Yes. Uh, what is happening at geekinthecity.com? At geekinthecity.com right now, you can actually go up and read my review of Dead Snow. Sans any kind of English subtitles. Excellent. And uh, later on this afternoon, we will have the new episode of Geek in the City Radio, where we'll go into more depth with Angels and Demons, and some game news and comic reviews. Fantastic. Aaron Duran of GeekintheCity.com, and we want to congratulate Sam and Happy Valley. He has won the Zombie Prize Pack. Ladies and gentlemen, before the top of the hour, we'll give away our final pair of passes to Cinematic Titanic. We also have uh, more news with Tim Riley. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is a Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101, uh, KUFO. Just, I have to make this a small observation here. I'm not saying you're crazy, uh, Sarah, but so during the break... You can tell when somebody wore, wore your headphones. And they have been molested. Who's been sleeping in my headphones? So Sarah says, somebody who's, you know, the office after we go home. And I said, well, you know, Crystal and, and you know, Crystal Cash and, and Art, uh, who work here, you know, they, they use it and... And you know, but they have, but their, they own have their own headphones. Yeah. Sarah, so somebody's been using my headphones. I can tell because this side has been pulled out ever so slightly. No, and then and you, you put can it on. Feel it. You can. I can. I could tell when I first put them on that somebody had had them on their head. It's not that I don't believe you, because I do, and mm-hmm. I mean that not in any Haskell kind of way. It's just that you sounded unspeakably like Annie Wilkes saying, "My penguin always faces due south." <laughs> you know, and then the next thing you know, it's like. Time to be hobbled. So, it is the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley, will we have more news in just a moment? Oh, yes, we have bags full of it. It's so very exciting. This is equally exciting. It's Incubus. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Stay there, won't you please? KUFO Portland. It's Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up before the end of today's show, we're going to give away our final pair of tickets to Cinematic Titanic featuring Joel Hodgson. Find out more about that at CinematicTitanic.com. Tickets on sale now. Ladies and gentlemen, let's pay a final visit to Tim Riley at the news desk. 
in the news with Tim Riley. A pig and a duck duo is looking for a new home. Now, although the Oregon Humane Society usually doesn't take in farm animals, they have several right now from an animal neglect case in Malala. Among them is uh, this pair known as Potato the Pig and Henry the Duck. They're a close-knit duo or partnership, so close, in fact, that they have to be adopted together. And if you see the pictures of them, I'll post these on my website a little bit later. They are inseparable. We cannot separate the pig from the duck. I would say that it is. And, that, you know, that's a, somebody right now is cranking out a children's book about that. Mm-hmm. Somebody is sitting at a typewriter pounding out the 15 pages of some sort of a picture book that will be on sale at Powell's like by the end of the day. Penis watch. Here's your penis watch. What a better way to end the week. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. A 51-year-old Taiwanese man under medical care with minor injuries. As soon as he sat down on the toilet seat, he suddenly felt a knife-like pain and reacted instinctively by standing up. When he looked down, he saw a big snake. Oh. As I like where this is going, because it did not happen to me. Right. So anyway, the uh, the snake bit the man in the penis. Ah, okay. He looked down and saw a big snake. This is a news story, of course. Yes, it is. It's a black-and-white reptile known as a snake, reportedly a species of the rat snake family. It was uncoiled and uh, plunged uh, slowly from the man's toilet bowl. It is not poisonous, so that is the good thing. <laughs> so I've got good news and bad, Silver bad news, Bob. The bad news is uh, you didn't dream this. It really did happen. He entered the toilet through a crack lid in the septic tank. <sighs> Said uh, Mr. Lynn, the victim, I felt an excruciating pain in my lower body like someone had stabbed me with a knife shortly after sitting on the toilet bowl. Despite the accident, uh, 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 philosophical saying... It was a snake signal for help when it bit me. Yes, he was right. crying out for help. That's what they always say when an animal has attacked you in some savage fashion. They'll say, hey, you know, he's more afraid of you than you are of him. Meanwhile, it's like a pit bull is, is ripping your flesh away. Snakes regularly enter rural homes in Taiwan. Yeah, they do. There's a, a fantastic story, which I do not believe is apocryphal. I believe it actually happened where uh, Alice Cooper, uh, you know, because he has boa constrictors as you know part of his act and he has pets and whatever. And, uh, Alice Cooper was staying at a hotel, and his boa constrictor got loose. Went, you know, went to the bathroom, and I guess the deal is they go in there because they can swim or whatever, and they figure it's just like, you know, they, they, I guess, I guess the, the water looks more recognizable to them as part of something that might be in nature than like the tile. So the bathroom, so the toilet, uh, you know, is, is open, and the, the snake goes into the toilet, vanishes, and it comes up in an adjoining hotel room, which is being stayed in by country singer Charlie Pride. And, I thought you were going to say Taylor Swift. No, 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 no. No. Close enough. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so Charlie Pride, uh, I think at one point says, well, I need to use the bathroom. Let's do that now. And he walks in and like, there's a huge boa constrictor coming out of the toilet. And that's enough to... Uh, Kiss a snake good morning. That... <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Let's end this now. That's your penis watch for uh, Friday on the Take Rick Emerson Show. Get my enormous penis. <laughs> My troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Wow. Charlie Pride and his number one hit, It's the Snake Good Morning. They have a valve that blocks it so air can go in but not out. And it goes out through her mouth so she can speak. Well done, Tim Riley. All right, we're going to end this uh, the right way. We're going to uh, give away our final pair of tickets to Cinematic Titanic to Caller 10 right now at 503 
228-4101. Caller 10 wins the final pair of tickets to Cinematic Titanic with Joel Hodgson. Ladies and gentlemen, tickets on sale now. We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, and we want to thank Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Excellent For Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, it's Tim Riley. On the phone's Greg Nibbler of the Niblonians. Uh, the webmistress is Bridget from Upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Smells like the 90s is next with our good friend Buzz. Uh, thank you for listening. It is Friday, May 15th, and that is the frequency. Kenneth, uh, this is the Rick Emerson Show saying so long, and we'll talk to you Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Have a good weekend. Bye.